Ah, nothing like the fresh sea air after eating my body weight and unlimited seafood buffet. Were my body a 200 pound tuna fish, which is what I ate. Didn't I, my new bride? Yes, Daniel. They said that fish was supposed to last the entire cruise, but I said, well, this is a seafood buffet, ain't it? Well, I see food and I eat it. Didn't I say that? Yes, Daniel. You love it when I say that, don't you? Yes, Daniel. You think I'm very funny when I say things like that, don't you? Yes, Daniel. Me too. I guess that's why you married me in the first place, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes, Daniel. Good. This is the best honeymoon I ever won on Sabado Gigante, or as they call it... Luna de Miel. My pronunciation's getting pretty good, isn't it? See, si, Daniel. But you know, why keep this honeymoon all to ourselves? Mars has two moons, so why can't we... Bring Greg! He's here! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like you read my Instagram post. I told you not to put your location on all those things. I like the challenge. Now our honeymoon's complete. Just you, me. Who am I forgetting? Oh, yeah, my wife. Yes, Daniel. Yep, just the three of us on this fogless night on an unboardable ship. Incoming unidentified boarding. What's that mean? Incoming fog. What the hell's fog? Why can't I see anything? It's like the air got fat. What, did it eat everything at the seafood buffet? <laughs> I'd like to see it try. Hey, ever everyone's leaving on lifeboats. The, the entire boat's empty. Did my new wife leave as well? On a lifeboat? Yes, Daniel. Thank God you're safe. I'll see you on the shore. You'll wait for me, won't you, my blushing beauty? No, Daniel. I think she said yes, Daniel. God, I love that sound bite. You heard her say yes, Daniel, right? Yes, Daniel. Do you I think someone's still on board. Ask who's there and sound brave. <clears throat> Hello? 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 What's happening? There's somebody there. I see him through the fat air. Ask him if they know what happened. No, first ask him if the buffet's open again. Okay, okay. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Whoever you are, you better stay there because we don't have our tickets. And I will strike you. This is international waters. Oh my god. What is that? It's a monster beyond description, but I'll give it a shot. It looks like... And it's got Betty Davis eyes. That was beautiful. You should have been a writer instead of whatever lie you're living now. Wait, hey, it's coming through the fat air. I, th I think I can make it out clearly. It's, it's Latin bongo legend Tito Puente. That's not that scary. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to L.A. Meekly, the podcast that I'll have you saying, it's 
December? <laughs> no one says that. <laughs> That's what I say whenever it's midnight on December 1st and I haven't finished editing the episode. You made me come up with something. That's I the did. That's I could come up with. Want to hear mine? Yeah. I'll leave me the podcast that'll have you saying, what number episode are we on? <laughs> who, who knows at this yeah. point? Yeah. 70s. That 70s podcast. We want to change it? Where it's final. It's episode <gasps> by episode. We're going to go through that 70s show and then we're going to match it with tragedies go... of the 70s. What tragedy of that week of the 70s <laughs> happened? Oh, Vietnam again? Uh-oh. Red. <laughs> Eric Foreman crashes the car, but in real life, it was Kent State. How do the two relate? By the way, I'm Daniel Zafrin. Oh, I'm Greg Gonzalez. Hi, nice to see you. Nice to meet, meet you. Meet you? I'm, no, I'm, I'm outside your house right now. Or apartment. Apartment, who are we kidding? <laughs> Nobody lives in the house. Shanty. <laughs> I'm outside your tent right now. The podcast that I'll have you saying, I'm outside your tent right now. <laughs> well, before we get into what month it is right now, yeah. is that how we, it's been so long. Is that how we start the episodes? We start with last month's stuff. We start with a lot of momentum, then we immediately lose it is what uh, we usually no, do. No, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> how could we forget that? Uh, oh. <clears throat> so episode 70 um that 70s uh, red let's talk about what we did last what we month. did last month i think you remember our podcast ellie meekly right <laughs> i know you've gone through a lot lately in that 70s podcast <laughs> this is a very special edition it of is. what we did last How month come? because last month yes this didn't happen in los angeles but it's los angeles it's part of los angeles history now oh my god i got say. married you got married and you Congrat- were my best man i was there best you were there up. standing right next to me holding I mean, my rings i was i was holding the rings and i, was, I kept and my hold- hand don't let go greg uh don't let her take me greg <laughs> don't present me to it <laughs> i don't know if you caught me every 15 minutes opening the box making sure the rings were still in there i did it. i was too busy freaking out of why there were still people <laughs> from this i got married we got we got we, we got, got married, married yeah. at the safari park in san diego Which was beautiful it was it, it Very nice. went mostly according to plan yeah. and before that i kept like why is everyone still wandering into the exhibit yeah, like this is i'm to about to get everything yeah. off and people were like hanging out yeah what are these white What's seats that? for <laughs> is there going to be a feeding <laughs> a love feeding uh, your ceremony happened right in front of my favorite area which was the cheetah that was raised with the two dogs just one dog each cheetah has its own dog oh there's two cheetahs i didn't know i thought there's one cheetah there's multiple cheetahs oh that's but only fair. one dog it's like a nanny to the muppet babies <laughs> yeah two yeah. cheetahs one dog <laughs> It was great. It was yeah, a really it, good time. You had a, a fantastic, one of my favorite weddings I've ever been to. I was very, first of all, I was very touched that I got married. Oh my God. Um, oh, I was that so. LA Meekly helped pay for I, it. Came straight out of the Meekly Fund. <laughs> all $40 went straight towards that, those yarmulkes. But um, yeah, everybody was very, seemed very happy with the way it went. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. We've been talking about it still. Here we are talking, yeah, about, talking it. about it. Talking about it now. Whole Anybody talking. who wasn't invited to it, which yeah. was most of your coworkers. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't. Well, they don't know about this they either. Like, yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. You'll be fine. Don't worry. Yeah, no, it was a great ceremony, and uh, I wish our fans could have been there. Obviously, I wish every single one of I our don't. fans, all twelve of our fans, I wish that they're all there. Well, some of them were. <laughs> thank you I'm so. Not a fan. Thank you so much for being the flower girl, Emilio. <laughs> um, that's all. Ada made a special appearance too. Yeah, Ada was there. First field trip guest, Ada was there. Mm-hmm. It, only the first field trip guest was invited. <laughs> uh, Carl Tart was there, of course. Um, sure, the guy from the archives was there, and Michael Holland is his Michael name. Holland. Don't forget it. Remember he shook us and he said don't forget my name yeah and i said whatever you say carl tart <laughs> and i walked out of wherever we were with whatever him. gray building that we were in before <laughs> yeah so that's what we this month did this month because you were freaking about your wedding you did nothing yeah i was completely absorbed in the wedding and it, it was a special moment not only for me and melissa but for you and me it was it, we, it was a, it was a nice being up there with you it was kind of weird and uh, you gave a speech at this at the I reception did. i wrote about three pages on the thing and as soon as i got up there i put it under my arm and i just tried to remember everything i wrote down grabbed by a toucan and <laughs> You had to improvise. But yeah, I'm yeah. married. Congratulations. So, sorry, ladies. Mm. This is the sound of my ring coming off. It's mostly meat. 
It's a pork it's chop a that you has a hole in it. Just get poking it. <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. You know, you can send me whatever gifts. My, I'm registered at Bed Bath & Beyond. There's still a few towels. And a lot of people are going to be buying me some sumo uh, wrestling tickets. Yeah, please. Whatever you were going to give to Patreon that I would have had to split with Greg, just put it straight <laughs> to my Zola. That'll be just fine. So yeah, that, that was our November. Yeah, it was really nice. Get married in LA next time. And there will be a next time. <laughs> let's, get back to, okay. let's get back to our roots. Let's yeah. talk about... Let me get my notes of yeah. what we are going to be talking about. Your pile uh, of notes. You look like a literary. Like history. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me put on my visor, <laughs> my podcasting visor. First off, here's an idea we're toying with. You give me money on my Zola. <laughs> here's Tell- my ABA. Here's my banking router number. Let's talk about uh, an idea that we've been thinking about yeah. to see if anyone might be interested in this and might have suggestions for it if we were to do an LA Meekly book club yeah. episode one month what are some books that someone might recommend and, would and, you want fiction or non-fiction yeah an la and not a hard one like i don't want to sit there oh my god <laughs> nothing too many pages that one that the that lacma put out about <laughs> good night los angeles i like that one but not one that we're gonna have to like you know sit and study cartography maps yeah, yeah, of, for sure from the 1800s but like a good something that we could read in a yeah. couple months and then talk about all of us yeah yeah la related history or the novelization or of predator 2 yeah <laughs> How about just the beginning narration monologue from Blade Runner? <laughs> Certain cuts. Certain, Certain cuts. cuts. <laughs> Director's cut novelization. Anyone, Don't read Philip K. Dick. Read a novelization of the film Blade Runner. Yeah, if anyone is interested in this or has any yeah. suggestions, let us know and we'll think of something. Mm-hmm. We'll think of something. We'll take your idea and pretend we'll, that we'll we ta- came up with it. We'll think of something based on your uh, suggestions and claim it as our own. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a lot as of fun with the uh, listener question episode. It was just a lot of fun to address everybody. Yeah. And it was less research, which was a lot of fun for me because I actually got to do stuff I wanted during the month and not just like be a slave to this job that doesn't pay me. So, <laughs> Well, I'm sorry about draining everything into my Zola fund. But, <laughs> I need to go on my... But it's a big honeymoon. My, my Luna de Miel. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting better. Yeah, let us know yeah. if you if you think there's anything that might be good because yeah. I can't really think of anything to be quite honest. Like there, there's Raymond Chandler stuff, but yeah. that's not really like... I mean, it is and it isn't. We'll see if we can... talk about the history of Bay City. <laughs> Yeah, there's like a lot of James, like all the stuff I, th- I mean, obviously everything James I read about Elroy, is, yeah. is yeah, like crime related. So maybe- Bosh. Why don't we read Bosh? Hey, we could read Walter Mosley or, you know. I, I mean, because I'm really afraid people are, everyone's going to be like, you got to read the Mirage Factory yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. some like William Mulholland book. Yeah. yeah. I'm not reading Day of the Locust again. I won't be <laughs> fool me once. <laughs> Shame on whoever it is that wrote that book. Fool me twice. I keep thinking that Homer Simpson's going to do something funny. Where's Homer Simpson and a locust? Is there a chapter Where's missing Bart? in this? <laughs> when is Bart going to show up with all those locusts that's going to bring about the end of the world? Let's read a book together, Meeklings. Oh, that's so cute. It's almost Eyes as cute as... <laughs> it's almost as cute as a Baby Yoda. No. And, um, you don't even know. Gritty... Oh, you I've don't even the... know. I've seen the screenshots. No, that's I feel like that might be enough, actually. I was going to say it's not enough, but it it actually might be enough. I've played a Pokemon game. I understand (laughs) what apparently this... Which is what the Bounty Hunter's Credo is. <laughs> yeah, let us know what yeah. you think about that. But now, another thing for you to think about. You don't need to think about it. We'll answer it right now. This is our listener question. Oh, from, who's it for from? The month. It's from... Good old Emilio Uranga, yeah. the flower girl from my wedding. The shadow host of this show. Yeah, the yeah. phantom... Mm, baby Yoda. <laughs> so his question is, were there any alternate names for LA Meekly? If so, what were they? Anything would have been better than this. I mean, LA Weekly would have been a good title for this. The only thing I can think of, I don't think there was anything going into it of an alternate name, but afterwards I was like, if LA Weekly were to sue us, what yeah. would we change it to? And I, I think we used it as an episode title one time, but LA Experts. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's something that was rattling. And I also thought like, well, if we ever go national with this <laughs> thing, we're going to be us Meekly. 
instead of us weekly. I hate that idea so much. It's funny <laughs> that, that you, could found, also be an you found title. the word that doesn't make any sense. You're like, but we'll, we'll latch onto that. The part that always gets people confused. And when I t- uh, see, here's the thing is that I tell people, you don't tell anybody that you do this. Yeah, I well, have to tell people. And they're like, what What was that word? <laughs> what, and Ellie, what? Well, you talk, what is that? you talk to only prison inmates who don't know. <laughs> uh, who don't know <laughs> They've never had, read a full no dictionary tale. before. They're not Malcolm X who read a complete dictionary. Most of the words in their dictionary are missing because it's filled with a, a, a shiv. Yeah, a shiv or a nail file or whatever they use. Whatever you really need in prison. <laughs> nail polish. Cell phones, whatever. Cell phone chargers. Passwords to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> but yeah, th- those are the only two things I can think of yeah. that have gone through my there head. There were better ones that I've written down before and <laughs> they've quickly rejected. California Gothic was my big one. but like it, It's not California. It's also not Gothic. It's Yeah, it's well. Today it might be. It's a little Gothic oh. today. Why is it? Well, first of all, before we put a pin in that, if you have a listener question, send it. Put, put, put it. Put, oh, sorry. I used my shiv from my, <laughs> from my, uh, my prison, prison dictionary. <laughs> if you have a listener question, you can send it to us on Instagram at LA underscore Meekly, Twitter, Twitter at LA Meekly, email us la.meekly at gmail.com. You can yeah. also follow us or send us whatever you want yeah. on those things. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Pin's coming out. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. You're bleeding. I'm bleeding even worse now. I forget what I was going to say. I had a good pin. Oh, yeah. Speaking of gothic. <laughs> let me put this back where I came from. Speaking of gothic, uh, this is our haunted episode. It is. I can't. Every year, this is usually my favorite, but this year was so boring. Um, I gave you all the fun stuff because you tell fun stuff way better than I do. And I thought that I could tell boring stuff really well because I'm the straight man in this. Not. Well, clearly I'm the one with the ring. <laughs> Uh, I can't get it off. <laughs> oh, first off, before we get into that, let me put this pin back in there. <laughs> this is what we started last year, but let, hey, let's cue the fireplace for a real oh, cozy yes. environment. You don't have to do it. It's an actual oh, fireplace. No, that but I, I want to do it. Uh, wheel it in, boys. <laughs> this was my wedding gift. This <laughs> so I spent all of the Zola money on. A portable fireplace. Yeah, so feel that fire. Oh, Settle yeah, back in. Deep. It might be 70 degrees outside. Settle in under the sheets. It's going to be a... Uh, uh, 72 episode night yeah but it is for sure creepy christmas haunted hanukkah part seven deadly sins that 70s show creep it out that's our parody song for the christmas episode uh lahaya are we ready to start this now yeah so oh well we're gonna be this is about the queen mary okay finally we finally got into it. we've backed away from it for several yeah. you know there's things we could have touched on on it before but we wanted to save it for something special and we did it and here it goes okay you ready dumbass that's all i remember from that <laughs> you ever notice when you're <laughs> smoking marijuana and a fisheye lens and everything's all on fox yeah yeah okay the two sources i use for this with the official pictorial history of the queen mary written by robert See, this is why it's boring you're telling us i'm gonna get caught all right the queen mary her inception and history by neil potter and get ready for it potter Jack Frost. Okay, the title of this is Her Majesty Number Five Thirty Four. I'm gonna Harry erase. Potter and Jack Frost <laughs> wrote this book. Neil Potter and Jack Frost. And Jack Frost. <laughs> Which one, the scary one or the the uh, baseball I, I, guy one? I want to race right through baseball guy. I want to race right through. Who played Jack Frost in that movie where the dad turns into Jack Frost? Um, Kevin, not Kevin. No, Nealon. Michael Keaton. No, Michael Keaton. Who's Michael the one? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Who's <laughs> the one from Field of Dreams? Not Kevin Nealon. Kevin, Kevin Costner. Costner. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad that. No men to me, <laughs> meaning white boys. No funk whatsoever. Okay, the title for this segment is Her Majesty Number 534. First what? things first, if you got I a kombucha have... in your hands and you're <laughs> staring at a photo of the Hollywood sign while you listen to this because you're so ready to hear yet another Los Angeles tale, 
put down your bucha. <laughs> a majority of this takes place on the ocean. Oh I'm so God. sorry. And not the fun swimmy swimmy Pacific Ocean. I mean mm-hmm. like the Atlantic. I'm yeah. talking about New York, Canada, the, the land, Britain. The semen's the ocean. Sea, the, se- the ocean semen. <laughs> There's a lot of semen floating around this episode. Watch your hands because they might. Hey, man, uh, Greg. <laughs> just got this ring off. <laughs> Mary Mary someone says semen? <laughs> this ring comes right off when someone mentions Fleet Week. There was a, uh, a sentence in one of the books that was like, money was raised for semen's relief and I had to close the book and take a walk so i'm like i cannot believe those are two words that someone's jack like, frost you did it again you did it again yes ob you did it again snowman turn your framed photo of, bitch turn your framed photo of traffic on the five freeway around mm-hmm. because we're gonna leave los angeles for a little bit i'm mm-hmm. sorry no more interstates <laughs> it's a uh, uh, what do they call it? The uh, Gulf Stream. <laughs> the Queen Mary was the dream ship for Samuel Cunard. It was one of the biggest things built at the time. In 1931, the Empire State Building is built, and it's only like maybe 250 feet longer and than they the tried Queen. to float it out to sea. <laughs> it keeps sinking. <laughs> the unsinkable building. The Empire State Building is only like 250 feet longer than the Queen Mary, which is really? built around the same time. Oh God, that's, that's like uh, huge. I've heard of like cargo ships that are like this is as long as two Empire State Buildings. I cannot fathom that. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I've been on the Queen Mary, and I, I didn't realize. That. I knew that I walk like four miles but i yeah. didn't realize that i was on something as big as like the empire state yeah. building king kong and king, um got it gulf stream there, <laughs> there was no other ship like the queen mary at the time yes the size and speed were remarkable and starkly different in terms of ships but also the queen mary was the apex of a long evolving technology of steamships well let's get into the muck of this segment because mm. like muck like hard muck okay the story of the queen mary begins with a company called cunard lines and the man behind the company its namesake was samuel cunard okay Sam- i keep i kept thinking it was cunard because i kept thinking like oh cunard like the french word for uh duck or goose and i i just now realized it's not spelled the same i might be cunard i haven't heard any i, I haven't know. heard it spoken out loud yeah, I've been neither, well who would have heard the name of a defunct luxury <laughs> liner spoken out loud? but you don't go to a regular gas station and guys are talking about the uh, cunard lines sammy cunny was born in 1787 in halifax nova scotia mm-hmm. in the beautiful country of Canada. I don't know why I thought Nova Scotia was in Europe. It's not. It's in Canada. He was descended from German Quakers who settled in Pennsylvania in the middle of the 17th century and stayed until the end of the American Revolution. But why? We won. Why are you leaving? <laughs> oh, because his father was one of those people living he in He was the- getting away from Vietnam early. It's coming. It's <laughs> that 70s war. In 100 years, yeah. I, the prophecy said in the 70s. It didn't say what 70s. <gasps> you butthead or whatever. <laughs> I, I already it's forgot. dumbass. You dumbass. <laughs> butthead what a bad show i did not like that show i like that 80s show oh my god i rewatched watch it? it no i i it was like I, three episodes yeah it was three episodes <laughs> long yeah i didn't watch it okay <laughs> their family was here since the 17th century in pennsylvania they left after the american revolution but like why are you leaving we won but some people i totally forgot were totally on the side of britain right. they were british loyalists not hey listen not my Walmart parking lot, buddy. America, 100%. You know what I'm talking about? No British need apply. <laughs> Abraham Cunder, that was his father, was not only a British loyalist, he was also a foreman carpenter for the British Army. When the hillbillies and oh, the Yankees... there Yan- you go. First they came for the carpenters. <laughs> and I said nothing. And then they came for the birds, and I said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> then they came for Peter, Paul, and Mary. And I said, take one, but leave two. Just leave Mary. Is the Peter Pete Seeger? Because you could take him, like, a couple times. Yeah, so they moved to Halifax, where he continued in the lumber game. Samuel was born there in Halifax, and his formative years were spent in the engineering department of his father's lumberyard, learning the secrets of being a shrewd businessman. His father had several contracts with the government. After all, Edward Augustus, the Duke of Kent, commander-in-chief in British North America, appointed Abraham, master carpenter, to continue 
contingent department of oh the royal God, these, engineers. They, like, they were like entrenched in the British army. Yeah, they were army deep there. in there. So hmm. this guy... I don't blame him for leaving. I would have killed him. Have you seen America? Boring. <laughs> have you seen Canada? It's cold. I love it. He was in charge of like the entire lumber yard for the mm-hmm. British army. And this meant that Abe, of course, had pals in the military, which is how at the age of 25, his son Samuel was able to train as a clerk for the royal engineers. He was the first clerk at the engineers lumber yeah, yard. Give it up. The British, the empire is dead. <laughs> Stop building stuff. You lost. Unless you're building, I don't know, Walmart. <laughs> Burger King. Burger King. Uh, sounds kind of British to us. How about Burger how President? About <laughs> Burger Democracy. Around the same time, the Cunards, the Cunards, I'm going to try to say Cunards. It sounds more yeah. like the word I'm reading. Yeah. The Cunards formed a firm, the A. Cunard and Son, which was founded to enter the timber and West Indian trade. Oh I have God, no these, idea. This is British. It's very British, yeah. yeah. I don't know what West Indian trade means, but it feels racist. Yeah. All this to say, these <laughs> are- just seen Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> the whole thing's about bargaining, right? Parlay, parlay. Parlay, parlay. The third movie's- by the time good so good it's like the godfather 3 so (laughs) So good good. you can't mess this franchise up all this to say that these opportunities allowed samuel to excel in his industries and by the time he reached his 40s he was already a wealthy man on his own being a merchant and trader and you know getting his name known in banking and lumber and coal and iron so let's talk about a little bit what we gathered here on this podcast to listen about 19th century steamship mail service stories between europe and the american east coast (laughs) did somebody say cholera pandemic the 1830s though are particularly important to the story of the queen mary from the dawn of transatlantic steamship mail delivery in 1702 to the 1830s british government sailing ships handled the load they took care of everything but the service was very limited and inconsistent thus unreliable mostly due to the weather and the unpredictability of the mood of the north atlantic ocean which was crazy it was cold the waves were it was really rough seas out there must be on its period i'm married i can say that <laughs> before you're married you're talking about ladies in general now you're talking about said, one specific lady the ocean, <laughs> the, ocean. the atlantic ocean i'm married to her ah, baby. that's who i married ah in the 19th century the big innovation across the ocean were clipper ships you know what a clipper ship is it's like a really fast ship right yeah it's really fast because along yeah clips along (laughs) it's one of those that has like a series like only barbers allowed barbers and basketball players it's got square sails on like four three or four masts on a ship it's very like colonial looking like they're sail ships like with sails but it is supposed to be like Fast? But they're fast, okay. yeah, because they rely mostly on sails and stuff. And they're like, they have like a really sleek design to them right. where they just like cut through air. I don't know what boats look like before. <laughs> they're basically airplanes. Yeah, you got it. You know <laughs> what you're talking about. If you do a search for clipper ships, immediately you're like, oh, that's the kind of stupid ship. Clipper championship. About. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even then, you know, these clipper ships, they're speedy and they're sturdy, but it was still a 30 day trek and it was a hard 30 days. A transatlantic trip was done out of necessity, not pleasure. The sailing was rough. The spaces were cramped and overcrowded. There was no way to cook on board during rough patches of so food was commonly an issue people would resort to cannibalism just to survive the 30 days across the ocean that's not true i just want to say that it sounds uh, like a it sounds like the truth though right? well because uh, i, I had, i've just recently listened to the, the lore episode where they talk about like cannibalism on boats because like they had a term for it it's like the way of the sea or something Ooh. like it's just kind of an unspoken thing of like if you get hungry you're gonna eat someone and that's fine <laughs> international the, waters yeah it's the way of the sea <laughs> anyway ships began to evolve with technology after clipper ships advances were made in steam engines along with traditional sails were allowing ships to make the trip easier but soon even sails were excluded as a ship like there was one in the 1838 called the Sirius Uh, that crossed the Atlantic from Ireland to New York without the aid of any auxiliary sails Hmm. it did it in 19 days which was like huge to people like you can do it 10 less days that's great here's money (laughs) many people like Samuel Connard knew this model could be perfected though weather and the rough seas were still the big issue here as it meant you could not promise a schedule to anybody but Connard was determined to resolve that issue I want to buy the weather but as 
a man of many industries, he saw that regular mail service between continents could be very profitable if you could overcome the irregularity of the seas. Not only did Samuel Connard... You're talking about eating people again? The irregularity yeah, yeah, yeah. of the seas. <laughs> what I see is I eat. <laughs> and I sees you, Captain. I <laughs> Popeye out there too long. Popeye the scurvy man. <laughs> Popeye the sorrowful man. Not only did Samuel Cunard see the value of regular mail service across the Atlantic, so did the British government. So in eighteen over it. So in we eight, beat you. We beat yeah, you. There is no more British what government. What are you sending mail about? How you lost? <laughs> Jeez Louise, let it go. Can we borrow money? <laughs> Can we have good bands? We only about, have Peter, Paul, and Mary. How about we send you some blues recordings and then you bring the Beatles yeah. back? Remix this. <laughs> Can you make this white for us? 1838, they opened a discussion and invited bids from private commercial companies to handle the job. Samuel, whose work in his father's company had given him some experience with dealing with ship service, felt like he was the right man to take on this job. He knew he couldn't do it alone, but he failed convincing both Halifax and Boston in making this happen. He then traveled to Glasgow and through different channels met with Robert Napier, David MacGyver, and get ready for it. It's better than MacGyver? George Burns. Anyways, the three men agreed that this mail service across the Atlantic is a great idea and they want it. So together they formed the North American Royal Mail Steam Packet Company and later changed the name cleverly to the Cunard Steamship Company. Good night, Gracie. <laughs> Damn it! First Captain Jack Benny reporting for... This is my first mate, Rochester. <laughs> Needless to say. He and three other guys that have no names, they form a company together and it's like the North American Royal Steam Mail Packet Packet company and then they're like okay great how about we call it the canard steamship company and they're like well, that's less words the wrong name but less you mean words. the french word for duck <laughs> the yeah. duck steamship company needless to say their bid was accepted their mail service would run between liverpool halifax and boston for a yearly sum of sixty thousand pounds they then went about building three ships to do this the way the government was doing these trips before it would involve three or four ships moving between continents taking mail and uncomfortable passengers canard and his team wanted to push for weekly sailings between new york and southampton and they wanted to do it but ideally with two ships, but maybe three. But those ships had to move fast, like 28 knots, which it roughly translates <laughs> to 32 miles per hour. Not that fast, but on the ocean, I bet it's pretty That's fast. all that translates to. Yeah. I thought a knot was like 12 miles. I don't know. But how could a boat? I don't know. I, I don't know. know. I don't Thir know the way of the sea. I've never eaten anybody. <laughs> Yet. Okay. 32 miles per hour is normally how fast I drive. If they wanted to go that fast, they had to be really big to house all the machinery that would have to go inside of it. So like I was saying, this is a dream scenario that they had to work to, is getting them to go that fast and then thus having to be that big. The first of which was the Britannia, which had her maiden voyage on the 4th of July, 1840, and left Liverpool. Let it go. We beat you on the 4th of July. <laughs> this will show them. We'll send them a big ship that we built. This on will show their on day. their day on where their they beat day. someone. <laughs> they beat that weak country you've never heard of. Some really strong handsome company that we've uh, uh, uh country um i gotta go to the bathroom i gotta go to water closet i gotta go to the loo <laughs> britannia did the trip from liverpool to halifax in 12 days and 10 hours with an average speed of eight knots which is nine miles per hour what she crossed wait a minute how could they be going slower but getting there in less time i don't i really don't know mm. i think bermuda triangle okay that's where it, oh yeah, yeah uh, it's a loophole it's a porthole wormhole that's what i was going down for the whole time <laughs> following the britannia were her sisters the Asadia, caldonia caldonia and columbia most canard ships by the way end with ia keep that in mind that's how they like to name their ships so these ships were the beginning of the canard line of ships and soon they were reaping in almost all the money from transatlantic passenger trade the money they were making were allowing them to evolve these ships at a faster pace by the 1850s they traded a wooden hull for an iron 
one, the Andes, that's the first one that had an iron hull, and then later replaced with steel on the Servia, which was in 1880. By 1862, they traded paddle wheels for screw propellers, like the one on the ship, the China. In 1870s, that gave way to twin propellers, like the ones on the, I'm so bad at these names, Lusania and Campania, they had twin propellers. Steam turbine engines became a reality in 1905. All the while, passenger accommodations were becoming more and more comfortable. Canard led the way with private bathrooms and ship decks mm -hmm. where passengers can like stroll around on the deck. I like private bathrooms. Oh my God, my favorite thing ever, <laughs> private bathroom. No, I like other people's bathrooms. I like private bathrooms from other people that I can use. The, I like filming private bathrooms, sure. My favorite military person is private bathrooms. They weren't the only ones advancing though. There was the Inman line, the White Star lines, and the America Guyon line. They were all tough competitors when it came to speedier travel. E.K. Collins was the king of the sailing ship world and created faster ships than Cunard could, but he went out of business in 1858, so we don't have to worry about him. Also, 1865, I should say that Sam Cunard dies of being alive for too long, but he goes out being a bear in like the first of his line. You can get like, if you have enough money, you become a baron. He became a... And then everyone in his line is now a baronet or whatever, or a baron or whatever, baroness. After this, a committee would handle all the Cunard line company matters, so he's dead. Anyways, 1897. The official fastest vessel came from North Germany Lloyd's ship. Something written in German. The name of the ship is written in German. I'm not going to even try to pronounce it. <laughs> it weighed 14,000 tons and traveled 22 knots. This was followed by American vessel in like 10 miles an hour. Basically, yeah. And people were like, what? what? I don't even <laughs> see it. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> that was followed by American vessel in 1902 from John Piermont Morgan and some British cohorts who created a fleet of 120 liners that were pushing Cunard lines out of the Atlantic. This was scaring a lot of people in high places. A lot of British people in high British places. Mm -hmm. So something needed to be done. Cunard was then commissioned by the British government to build two ships that could maintain a speed of 24 knots in moderate weather. That's like 30 the, miles per hour. Yeah. <laughs> this show can go at a modest pace in temperate <laughs> climates. As long as there's no wind. Your move, White Star Lines. <laughs> so the orders for the two ships were put in. They were the Maritania and the other ship was the Lusitania. Lusitania. Lu the Lewis and Clark Atania. Yeah, what's it? The Lusitania. The Lusitania mm. was the other one. Mm, I mm. see where this is going. The Maritania mm. was a truly how come none of these boats sink? Mm. This story is boring. When's something going to sink? <laughs> Nothing sinking in. The Maritania was a truly speedy ship. It hit almost 27 knots regularly, which was a big deal. The building of these ships caused a retaliation Might get from- get a ticket for almost going the speed limit. <laughs> the building of these ships caused a retaliation from Germany, who developed the Imperator mm -hmm. and the Vaterland. They also retaliated by sinking the Lusitania in 1915 after the outbreak of World War One. Oh, Jealous. World War One. Goodbye, Franz Ferdinand. Hello, mustard gas. <laughs> That's the name of my memoir of 90s alternative <laughs> rock music. A German U-boat downed the Lusitania and killed over 1,200 people, and it, it and it indirectly led to the U.S. to enter the fight in World War One. I. I forget why they they, they just just. Like, I think there was just a ship, and they're like F word that ship, right? Hmm. You know, it'd be funny. Meaning Flunkhausen, <laughs> which means sink in German. So they sunk the Lusitania and they killed 1,200 people for apparently no reason. Mm -hmm. So that's how we entered indirectly entered right. World War One. Uh, who whose fleet was that? Cunard ship. Okay, it was a Cunard. Yeah, right. it was a Cunard ship. Anyways, when the war ended, there were plenty of people looking to move, but how could they get around? So after the war, Germany was the lead on first-class passenger travel for immigrants and immigrants. Yeah, because they're going to sink everybody else. <laughs> we're, we're safe we're here, right? We're the safe line. <laughs> we won't bomb ourselves. The Germans were leading first-class travel between Europe and North America. <laughs> There's one thing we Germans will never do is take our own lives. <laughs> passenger travel on the Cunard and the most British lines dropped because Germany offered newer and faster vessels. So it's 1926 now, and Cunard is looking to outdo the Germans as everybody is. With all the new developments in marine engineering and naval architecture, clearly a sentence I didn't write, he knew he could pull something off really big, which is the part of the sentence I did write.
right. In the 1920s, coal was being replaced by oil-fired boilers, and that really made the dream goal of two ships crossing the Atlantic instead of three a reality. Later during development, steam turbine engines using a single reduction gear would be the ultimate trick in gaining high speeds. I don't know what that means. I bet a ship person does though. The design team for Canard Steamship Company met in Liverpool, and the basics from what I understand of the conversation were, how big is the Mauritania? 790 feet. And the Aquitania? 901 feet. Let's make one a thousand feet and drew a line on a piece of paper which represented a thousand feet long ship and called it a day. And by the way, drawing a straight line, <laughs> drawing a straight line on a piece of paper to represent a ship is so funny. This was the first stage of ship number 534 being set. Okay. The meeting is described like that. A discussion about size and needs, a line on paper representing the length of the hole and off we go. From there, the Naval Architecture Department starts figuring out dimensions, weight, stability, and the power with the engineers and then they create more elaborate sketches. And then from that point, the crew starts to construct it. The total length of ship 534 was set to be 1,019 feet and weighed 80,774 tons, which is almost twice the size of the Titanic, which meant that 534 would sink way faster. Twice as yeah. fast. Finally, a competition cutter It can win. hit twice as many icebergs. <laughs> this means that an iceberg half the size will sink a bigger ship. This ship is doubly unsinkable. <laughs> so the size, of course, was an issue. Nothing that big had hey, ever... Hey, no, not something <laughs> I'm familiar with. Hey, no, get this ring off. <laughs> it's the motion of the ocean. <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what my wife says. It's uh, not the size of the boat it's how mean the iceberg is that it hits. <laughs> it's how much water is in the boat right nothing that big had ever been built before a dry dock to build and launch from did not exist on either side of the atlantic also Wait a minute. so that means they had to build it in the water they built it on a shipyard along the water but they well, had what's a- dry dock i thought i understood what that means and i don't apparently i thought that it was like almost like a shore yeah that's it- like a connected to water but you build it on the land and you just kind of nudge it <laughs> out <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna need someone who's twice as big as this boat it's kind of crazy reading about how they got it from like a more dry surface where there is some water to the ocean i'll get to it but it's like crazy like uh, jewish slaves uh, sorry hebrew slaves <laughs> uh, can you build a pyramid on top of this <laughs> like generations of your family like you'll die and your grandkids will die and their grandkids yeah. will die building and then my grandkids will ride on this boat <laughs> in luxury and your great 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 grandkids will worship whoever's still alive by the end of this thing <laughs> history's great isn't it um <laughs> so there was first of all nowhere to build this on either side of the atlantic there was nowhere on either continent to dock it when the ship did come in so they just saw well, we have the longest pier in, <laughs> lo- in uh, Santa Monica. In uh, 1926, uh, I guess it was. Uh, burned down before it got there. <laughs> Germans. So they went about it and they just solved problems as they went. Southern Railways constructed a massive dry dock in Southampton and the port authorities in Southampton and New York went about building a place to accommodate the giant ship. They contracted a group, the John Brown and Company, to build it in Clyde Bank, Scotland. They, that's where it was built. There's apparently a rumor that is unconfirmed, but I read it a couple times, that no women were allowed anywhere near the construction of 534 just to make sure a feminine presence doesn't distract a male worker from a delicate oh task god. at a critical moment oh my god we all know why women weren't invited rugged men necking <laughs> come on say it we've seen the village people perform. <laughs> we know what one goes of them on. had a hard hat on okay and we don't <laughs> we, have a problem with it just call it what it is i know what happens in the navy <laughs> maybe they're afraid that the volume of that many construction workers and sailors whistling <laughs> cat calling one woman would please the foundations of the boat oh no an upwards avalanche <laughs> planning and designing took two years and finally in 1930 the team ceremoniously placed the first rivet in one of the longest keels ever laid the keel is the bottom of the ship mm. by the way they had to search that but of course the 1930s uh, what's a rivet <laughs> <laughs> slow down what's a ship hang on hang on where's german <laughs> <laughs> i'm still kind of curious about this u boat how about me boat stupid jokes um this is why nobody listens to us but of course the 1930s great depression it even in mm. scotland and brought 
brought construction to a halt in December of 1931. I hope you don't steal my uh, little tidbit I have from this period of this boat. Cut me out. Scream. Yeah. This scream. <laughs> it sat until April of 1934. Was that it? Yeah. I wanted to talk about April. You know I love talking about April 1934. How could you? Betty Goodman's on the radio. This is my honeymoon. <laughs> it sat until April 1934 when the British government agreed to pay the building of 534 and the sister ship, Queen Elizabeth. Oh, I'll get to it later. Yeah, we don't really talk about Queen Elizabeth. The sister ship is Queen Elizabeth. But part of the deal to finance the construction was that the Cunard Lines merged his company with England's transatlantic shipping line, the White Star. Right. He agreed. And- I knew that it was connected to the Titanic somehow. Yeah. That's- I don't know anything else about that. Well, Titanic was a White Star ship. Was it? Yeah. So it was part of the same fleet. You know what's weird? I think my grandma came to this country on the sister ship of the Titanic. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. It was very brave of her. Did she like get to... She got the Titanic too? She came in like 1990. Called the iceberg? The unwilling sister (laughs) to the Titanic. Um, My grandma was riding the iceberg and she got lost. Maybe I'll ask this boat for directions. (laughs) Sitting on the iceberg like Frankenstein? Yeah. Your grandma has a lot of funny stories. She does. I forget what boat it was, but I'm quite sure it was... I think it had a few sister ships, but one of them was my grandma. (laughs) (laughs) The name of the ship was my grandma. So... They had a form with the Canard, the White Star, and it became the Canard White Star Line. It would be another two years of building before 534 was ready for the maiden voyage. By this time, though, the public was ready for this. It, it obviously knew that this giant ship was being built. Yeah, that, that's, that must have been so exciting yeah. for people. Like, the biggest Oh, my God, they put right. the stern on over. People yeah. probably lined up in the dockyard on both continents. Yeah, yeah I can't wait to see yeah, the I boat. Wanted, like, <laughs> I bet you could have seen it from, like, two hours away. Yeah. Like, Whoa, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> Who the hell yeah. I'm going to go back to Liverpool. <laughs> well, time to start the Beatles. <laughs> Pete Best. Time to start the Beatles. The band I'll be in forever. <laughs> They'll never kick me out. Founding member of the Silver Beatles. Oh. And the Quarry Man. <laughs> Before it was built, obviously, public interest grew in the naming of the ship. So many of the ships had names that ended in IA, like the Mauritania, the Britannia, or Ick, like the Titanic or the Olympic. The newspaper published some of the names that the general public thought that the 534 should be called. Here are some of my favorites. Empress of Britain. It's not bad. Mary Tania, George Maria. Mary Tania. Mary Tania, George Maria. How about George Burns? No. What about Jack Frost? What about It's Sullivan Show? Can't we call this one Milton Burrow because it's really big? <laughs> it can't be stopped by anybody? Because you could see it off the coast of New York? Because people begrudgingly write it? Because it steals the ideas of lesser boats <laughs> and then just uses it as its own? It shoves its way in every port it can. The King Georgia, the Majestania, mm. the Atlantia, mm. Blue Ribbidania. Wait. The Blue Ribbit, Blue Ribbit, or Blue Ridden. Okay, I'm skipping that one. Bonnie Scotia. What? Invincia. Ratsunia. This one's a hard one. Alberta Wardia. <laughs> These are Aristocracia. This sounds like speaking of Milton Berle. Like this sounds, this like, sounds a, like a fake Milton Berle joke of like. And then the, yeah. have you heard of these people from the Czech Republic? It They're sounds like how them how nice to meet you. you are. <laughs> it sounds like W. C. Fields explaining why some names are funnier than others. Yeah, yeah. Kalamazoo. And you're like okay. It's got to have a Q sound. <laughs> bon voyage. Oh God. Liverpoolia. Transportania. Mammothia. How about Bodapalusia? <laughs> Hyceria. Hurry homia. No. I knew that would be your favorite. Gargantutania. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a pretty good that's one. That's a Godzilla villain. Yeah. Villain. Comfort- They're all villains. He's the villain too. Comfortia. Britannia, which is already a name of a ship. <laughs> How about Lusitania? <laughs> no. Lusitania? Lusitania 2. Lusitania Tunia? <laughs> <laughs> if they named it Lusitania 2, it would have predicted World War II, by the way. None of these. <laughs> the great Lusitania. <laughs> none of these were picked, though, obviously. Mm-hmm. In September of 1934. None of these were Pictia? <laughs> none, of, none of these were Pictia. Albadia. Bad idea. <laughs> yeah, terrible mania. In September of 1934, the official christening took place at John Brown and Company's shipyard. 200,000 spectators crowded that area. The ship 
they stood before was crowd a, of that area is also <laughs> a possible name. <laughs> Too many people, yeah. The ship they stood before was immense. Like oh, like yeah, I could imagine the word sublime, which is like it's so beautiful because yeah. it can kill me. It's yeah. like comes to mind. It was the awestruck, <laughs> awestruckania. It was the biggest man-made thing many people had ever seen. Yeah. There to perform the historic christening was Her Majesty Queen Mary with King George V. This was the first time in Great Britain's history that a reigning queen was to christen a merchant vessel. Did it have the name? It didn't have the name. There was no name yet. It's coming. Shut, shut the front door. <laughs> this was the fir- shut the front door. Yeah. <laughs> then King George V came to the microphone and said, "Today we can send her forth no longer a number of the books." But a ship with a name, alive with beauty. All this in a British accent. Alive with beauty, energy. Alive with beauty. The energy and strength of the stallion. I can't do it. The energy and strength and the stateliest ship now in being. And then Her Majesty Queen Mary stepped up and followed that up with snipping the satin. She started breakdancing. Yeah. And she did like that thing where you twirl on your back and people are like, hoo, hoo, hoo. And then she got up and snipped the ribbon that was holding a bottle of Australian white wine. It crashed against the bow of the plates. And the, I thought the, you were going to say it was holding the whole boat together and it just <laughs> fell apart. I used to think that you smashed it, but like this sounds like a Rube Goldberg machine where like, you yeah, cut the ribbon and then it sends she the white this wine. mouse that ran to <laughs> this ball. the cheese, yeah. yeah. Imagine Queen Mary I know. just tossing a bottle of champagne 50 <laughs> feet. Like pulls it out with her teeth and yeah, tosses it. A little for me, a little for you. <laughs> Bollocks to this, wham. And then so she, you know, christens the ship and she says, I am happy to name this ship the Queen Mary. I wish success to her and to all who sail in her. <laughs> and what a name. But, but, did, <laughs> but was there, a, did they know it was going to be named Queen Mary or she was like, at the last second, they, I'm going to name this Queen Mary. Uh, let me name the ship for you. I got a good name for you. Yeah, you ain't heard nothing like this. Yeah, Queen Mary and the Mariettes. No, they called her beforehand. You got to hear the story, though. So now okay. 534 is now officially the Queen Mary. Right. Force. The crowd have obviously approved. This was not only the first time a merchant vessel was christened by an active queen. It was the first time a merchant vessel was named after an active queen. Here's the thing that I read on the Queen Mary website. Legend states that the Cunard directors went to King George V with his blessing of the ship's proposed name. And they said, we have decided to name our new ship after England's greatest queen. They meant Queen Victoria. The king's oh. grandmother, oh. but the king got oh. confused because the king is reported to have stated, oh my, "My wife, meaning my my wife, my, my wife, get my ring out, yeah. my wife, uh, my wife, meaning Queen Mary." Well, and be- you're saying. George Burns isn't involved with this. <laughs> then Gracie's like, what, what are you going to name it after me? Yeah, so he was That's confused. That's so funny. How funny, like, Mary, you won't believe what they're going to name the ship. Mary, Mary, they're going to name a ship <laughs> after you. And the, the Canard guys are like, uh. Victoria fits in with our name scheme because of the IA. That's so funny. That's pretty funny. That's the legend behind it. And they didn't have the heart to be like, no, not your stupid wife. You stupid grandma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not just smelly old wife, just smelly old <laughs> grandma. grandma. Idiot. It's an episode of I Love Lucy. This, <laughs> this whole boat's story. covered in a mink stole. That's fake. Anyways, it's named the Queen Mary, and they she snipped the ribbon, and the bottle smashed against the hull. What if as she's proclaiming it, someone from the canard is like Victoria? Victoria. <laughs> Whoa. And it emerges Queen Victoria from like a like a kiss like platform where she yeah, raises from the bottom. Playing a guitar yeah, solo. Yeah, guitar solo already. She learned the day before. So, anyways, cut the ribbon. Bottle smashes against the hull, and she presses a launch button. And after a minute. A low groan emerged from the ship as it slid towards the water of the Clyde River and into the waters. Apparently, I read this little blurb next to a photo. Okay, here's the thing about how it was tugged from a dry dock to the ocean. It's like six tugboats. I, I've seen this sort of thing where it's like these tiny little yeah. things pulling, you know, their ant- trash island or it, whatever. Trash island. It's like I an ant carrying a rock. Yeah, like it's I, preposterous. I don't get how but it works. Yeah, it's like six tugboats are <laughs> it, it's pulling like, the Empire State Building. It, it's like when you see like a little golf cart pulling an airplane. You're 
right. across the tower. Right. I don't get it. I don't get it. Breaks her off. So apparently I read this little blurb next to a photo that the Queen Mary left the shipyard and went into the sea. I don't know if this is the same day or if they had a dry run to get into the water and then the christening was when it was mm. in the water. But how are you getting back out of the water? Yeah, it must be like... The Hebrew slaves. The answer to everything. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to mess up the tugboats. The tugboats need a day of rest. <laughs> um, and grain. Those tugboats get much more tired than the slaves do. I guess this is when they were bringing it out from the dry dock into the water and then from that point is the maiden voyage or whatever. It's coming out and people are like, you know, bitchin', bitchin' boat, right? A gust of wind. did it again, Queen Mary. What? A gust of wind hit the Queen Mary that no one predicted and it turned broadside and (laughs) tilted and the stern went deep and hit the surface under the water and the tugboats had to pull the brand new ship to keep it floating. That was like first day <laughs> oh no we forgot to put stuff inside of it <laughs> it would be another two years before the queen mary would be ready to leave the Clyde river behind and become an operating transatlantic vessel that day came on may 27th 1936 almost 100 years since sam Kennard chopped his first wood wood exactly <laughs> when he started putting the apple seeds everywhere or whatever <laughs> when he first pitched to change the regular mail service of the ocean 10 years since the line was drawn on the piece of paper and one <laughs> day after the 69th birthday of her majesty queen mary nice <laughs> thousands of people were out on the dock just to see it depart and in the water with the queen mary were hundreds of smaller boats there to be in the same water as the biggest ship <laughs> to ever get built. in the way yeah i want to see how big i measure <laughs> you know how flies get all over the food you just made well, we want to do the same thing <laughs> yeah. planes. it's like those little birds that land on a rhino <laughs> get off <laughs> you don't live here this isn't your house planes were circling above the ship with reporters and photographers some of the planes were throwing carnations down it was like baby jesus was being born <laughs> it was world war ii basically <laughs> <laughs> on board for the maiden voyage was 1742 passengers 708 of those were first class 631 were second class and 304 were third class so put labels on people and here's their names <laughs> and here's their ethnicities <laughs> a crew of 1186 men and women wait a minute women. the passengers women on a women. boat but the the men will get distracted <laughs> but wait you said there was 1700 passengers and a crew of 1100 yeah what? There was a crew of 1,186 That's men and insane. women. That's insane. It's a big ship, but I don't know what I they're all so. doing. Yeah. Probably 900 of them are like shoveling coal or yeah, something yeah. or whatever. Yeah, oh, I didn't think about that. Also on board were like 50,000 pounds of fresh meat, 50,000 <laughs> eggs, 14,500 bottles of wine, and 2,500 packets of cigarettes. <laughs> I think we know which class gets that. <laughs> you get the eggs, you get the cigarettes. That's um, all you need. <laughs> there were 100 reporters and newspapermen on the maiden voyage documenting the event. I read that the BBC had installed 23 microphones throughout the ship like the engine room and the bridge and the main the private bathrooms the private bathrooms and cameras uh, Chuck Berry was there 20 reporters were giving live <laughs> oh, you had to get to Liverpool to teach them how to rock and roll Shazam Chuck I'm gonna go Berry <laughs> Shazam I'm gonna go start the quarry then. <laughs> it should also be said the captain of this big ass ship was Commodore Asitania Commodore Sir Edgar Britton Britain a very royal very it. British get name over get, it. Oh, guys come on you lost yeah. <laughs> how about Edgar Charlottesville <laughs> not dope Wrong choice. Uh, how about uh, Baltimore? No, The Wire. Oh, jeez. Chicago, St. Clair. No. <laughs> What's an American city with a squeaky clean Queen. past? How about Captain Little Rock? No. <laughs> I bet there's American city yeah. out there that has no tarnished past. Yeah, what was that? New Orleans. I was just about to say, well, the docks in New Orleans where they <laughs> traded slaves. What was the name of that place? Yeah. In Justice Square. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what you're looking for is San Diego. Anyways, oh, no, there's a mission in San Diego. Hmm, I can't do it there. Okay, so it has all these people, and it also has all this mail. Let's not forget its main purpose was... Semen or like letters? Well, the letters are full of semen. They couldn't send the dirty pictures through Instagram, so you would just send a package full of babies, potential babies. Sea letters. Sea letters. Mail, like my mom. Parcels. Parcels. 
parcels. Parcels. Parcels. parcels. Thank you. Parcels. <clears throat> Bills and parcels. parcels. You can't see me on pantomiming putting glasses on. <laughs> Ooh, the parcels have Suddenly arrived. Suddenly I've read the word Britain too much. <laughs> then the carrier must have gotten <laughs> me. Mm, my parcel from Amazon. <laughs> its first stop was in, is it Cherbourg, France? Uh-huh. Shabam. Shabam. Where it picked up another 100 or so passengers and then some more mail and then off to New York. On its first voyage, they had their very first and very second hop-ons. Oh, no. Her first stowaway was a Canadian journalist who snuck on when they stopped in France. Her purpose of sneaking aboard was to loudly denounce the exclusion of female reporters invited to the maiden huh. voyage. The point of this was to uh, get it worldwide that that was a thing, so good job. The other stowaway was an unemployed laborer from Cardiff who, when discovered, was put to work in the kitchen. Yeah, and when they what do- he wanted. Exactly, and when they docked in New York, he was arrested and deported back to England. <laughs> oh, Two very different stories. Uh, Even though the Queen Mary was moving rogue market. The rags to riches <laughs> to deported story. <laughs> the rags stay rags, the riches stay riches. <laughs> rags just keep getting raggier. <laughs> Even though the Queen Mary was moving remarkably fast, like 30 knots across the ocean, fog had slowed the ship. Two miles per hour. Fog had slowed the trip down and they did not. The hell's fog? What do we call it? Fat air. Fat, Fat air, air had slowed the trip down and they, did not, they didn't break any records and arrived somewhat mm. late, reaching New York on June 1st, six days after departing. Yeah. People were just as excited in America to see Queen Mary land as in Britain. <laughs> they weren't in the 1700s, I'll <laughs> tell you that much. <laughs> Who's this? She's never been here. She wants to tax us. <laughs> How about Senator Mary? <laughs> Tens of thousands of spectators and boats crowded the Hudson River as the Queen Mary landed. For the hefty price of a dollar, you can come aboard the ship and, of course, being New Yorkers, they took anything that wasn't bolted down. Ashtrays, <laughs> silverware, teapots for souvenirs. Also, you already had two stowaways and your next move is to invite people aboard. Do you yeah. need more unpaid kitchen yeah. staff? How about we get everyone from Brooklyn on board? <laughs> now the Queen Mary is in the ocean and it's operating. Let's hit 30 knots and get us to Los Angeles. Yeah, that, we're what? Like an hour in or something and we have not even touched I Los Angeles. Very, <laughs> this is very not Los Angeles friendly. It ends in it's, Los Angeles. It does. It's a, it's, it's now, a, we've taken this history. This is ours now. Yeah, this is a transplant story. We bought story. this history. Yeah. yeah, the ultimate transplant, yeah, ultimate the transplant. biggest transplant the you've big... ever seen. Yamama. Also, Yamama. Also, to add Yamama. So it's three months after the maiden voyage. The Queen Mary takes the Blue Riband Award for speed after it crosses the Atlantic at three days, twenty-three hours, and fifty-seven Whoa. minutes, moving at a regular speed of thirty knots. Speedy Queenie. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's really fast. Yeah. So let's go ahead and describe. I haven't done this yet. It was actually somewhat hard to do describe the interior of the ship mm-hmm. we haven't done that yet so what's on you've the been ship? on this ship i've never I been have, on this ship we should probably go one day yeah i've been on this ship it's when you park you're like what's well, a really big ship and then you the next day because we stayed the night we were walking around and it was like the most i'd walked in a long time <laughs> the ship is comprised of seven decks from bottom to top d deck r deck b deck a deck m deck promenade deck and the sun deck that doesn't make any sense okay d deck is where you board and then there's six obviously obviously d for boarding d for and then that's where i believe like the third class passengers would mm. sleep on the board with a third class passengers get me on the golden helicopter the sun deck it seems that all the fun is on the promenade deck which i believe is first class suites under that was m deck which is cheaper rooms a deck and thus there's ballrooms lounges there's five dining areas coffee shops bars there's a mermaid bar which looks really neat there's two indoor swimming pools a gaming mm. deck a library a children's nursery and a playroom and a kennel for passengers dogs and by the way this will get scary again we haven't talked about los angeles we haven't talked about scary two stuff we've promised at the beginning of this episode haunted los angeles history none of that has happened so far but it's coming. every six minutes can you just do that uh i, w- I would like to remind everybody i know that we're hearing about murals right now but it's uh scary's coming soon you asshole yeah you butthead or you butt- 
dumbass. I have to set up why the ship's important. Sir Winston's was and maybe still is the ship's finding dining restaurant. It's right. located on the old engineer's quarters on the sports deck. I think finding it might have dining. I might have moved to the sun deck recently. I don't really know. There was beautiful suites for all types of first class passengers. The suites look so beautiful and spacious. In turn, the tourist suites, which is British for second and third class passengers, <laughs> were said to be obviously much smaller and even more cramped with the crew quarters, who sometimes spunked tend to a room. The Queen Mary's interior is an Art Deco dream. A committee was set up to handle the interiors led by Sir Percy Bates, uh, Master Bates, Arthur Davis, and B. V. Morris, American. They assembled a team of 30 artists, sculptors, painters, and interior decorators. There is beautiful columns all throughout the ship. There's sculptures, there's murals. Doris Zinkinson, I think that's how you say it, was a famous costume designer for the films, and she was a painter. She did paint a lot of railway posters. She worked on the decor for the Veranda Grill, which mm. is the nightclub and restaurants on the Queen Mary. They let a woman on board. You're going to be working, right? <laughs> You're going to be painting the kitchen, right? You're going to be sweeping the kitchen, right? <laughs> she worked out all the designs for this room. Like, not just like, oh, this napkin holder, like curtains. And mm-hmm. carpets and chairs, like everything was up to Doris to do. And it's like maybe the most beautiful room there. Her sister Anna and her also painted murals in the veranda. Apparently, they were painting the mural that goes it's on the ship in Glasgow, in a, like a warehouse. And it was a busy warehouse. And it's so funny reading quotes from her because she's like, I like to work silent. And there's all these men with wires behind me. They're making all this noise and hammering. So, anyways, she's painting this mural. And the king comes in. King Edward III God. was getting a tour and stopped at the mural. In the painting on the mural, there's an old lady with a tiara and a necklace. And the king, before moving on, was like, Oh dear, how like mama. And Doris hadn't realized that she had... Elvis? He sounds a little bit like Elvis. In my head, British people are like Elvis. Oh, 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 oh mama. mama. Queen, mama. Doris hadn't realized that she had unconsciously drawn Her Majesty Queen Mary. And as she... You <laughs> so said Queen Mary and suddenly bah, my ring flies off. Oh, day's night. Um, <laughs> note heard around the world. <laughs> as she said, so Doris saw that she unconsciously drew Queen Mary. She said, needless to say, after he had left, I altered it. <laughs> she sounds great. The ballroom, which was designed by her sister, Anna, that has a theme of the four seasons. The the seasons, not the hotel chain or uh, the band. Is there a band called? No. Frankie not, Valley. And the, and yeah. the four band members and the four winters so there was a the main lounge which was air conditioned it had a 26 foot ceiling it ran through three of the seven decks 96 feet long first class passengers only but third class and second class could come on sunday mornings for non-denominational church services <laughs> the most astounding of the interior elements is the wood which is made up of 56 of the world's finest and rarest woods it's used throughout the ship in public areas and it creates a quote warm and romantic ambiance here's something for daniel a list of the most famous passengers oh yeah this is what i like johnny westmuller Tarzan? Tarzan, Olympic, LA Olympic, Olympian. Uh, You mean Tarzan. You mean Tarzan. (laughs) Loretta Young, Buster Keaton, Laurel and Hardy. At the same time? Same time. Hmm. Well, their names are separated, but it was an alphabetical list, so I imagine they were also on a photo together. So yeah, they were the same time. One was on first class, one was third class. You go downstairs. We know who went downstairs. (laughs) Take this piano with you. (laughs) Take these three buckets of water with you. 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 (laughs) Liz and Robert Taylor, Gloria Swanson, (laughs) Wavy Hair himself, Liberace, Bob Hope. Well, I mean... Jack Benny probably got him a free ticket. <laughs> Dolores Del Rio, that's for me. Charlie Chaplin, Joey Brown, Winston Churchill. My favorite actor. Dwight G. Eisenhower, Robert Ford Jr., the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, and the forever mayor of Los Angeles. Mike Piazza. Mary, Mary Pickford. Really? Oh, yeah. Of course she was. The other I knew MP. she was on. <laughs> <laughs> Former shortstop for the Dodgers. <laughs> Mary, Mary Pickford. Pickford. This, of course she was on. Of course she it's, it's It happened in LA. Of course it happened. <laughs> of course she was there. This was the perfect spot to be rich. That's so crazy. I keep thinking like, oh yeah, it was in Los Angeles. They're all there. I'm like, no, it wasn't in Los Angeles yeah, yet. Yeah. It was yeah. on the East Coast. Like, they all went to <laughs> they New York. They didn't come to it when it landed in Los Angeles <laughs> in the 60s. Yeah. This was the perfect spot to be a rich, famous, jitterbugging person in the 30s <laughs> living your lavishly. Like Eisenhower. Like Eisenhower. Living lavishly 
Ashley burning beautiful woodwork and carpets with cigarettes that fall out of your hand when you're drunk on six gin martinis and your name is Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> the Queen Mary is a beautiful luxury liner and a male transport, M-A-I-L, oh. and nothing would ever male change escort. that. You're saying it's a male escort? Okay, got it. Why don't it's they male. call postal workers male escorts? <laughs> you know, Charles Bukowski was a male escort for a brief time. He wrote a book about it. He's also a gigolo. So this is how it existed for some years and nothing would ever change that. Oh, well, one thing would. In August of 1939, while sailing oh, no. around Germany, the captain received a message to, that said they needed to go 100 miles south of their normal path. It would be super cool if you did that. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. Why? They're like, well, there might be some German submarines looking to kill Laurel Hitler! Hardy. <laughs> As they're sailing away. <laughs> Who? German submarines looking to kill Laurel Hardy. So the Queen Mary did I love that. that movie. <laughs> The Queen Mary did that, but it wouldn't be the last of these orders because in September of 1939, like maybe the 1st of September, the Germans invade Poland. And mm -hmm. the next day, the Queen Mary was given an urgent message to take all necessary precautions to guard against a submarine attack. Both Queen Marys, by the way. The boat and the... It was actually meant for the Queen, but you know, the ship should watch out too. The Germans want to kill Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> what, what am I going to do about it? <laughs> so now they're given the direct orders. You need to do everything you can to get this ship safely to port. So the Queen Mary went into full zigzag mode. Mm -hmm. Crew members... Stop that. Crew members went Can't, out. But keep in mind the zigzag mode. Zigzag that's mode. coming up later. Crew members went out to the deck to be lookouts. Other crew members went were straight sent, to the bar. Straight to the bar. Other crew members were sent to cabins and state rooms and they painted portholes black. Wow. All the running and deck lights were turned off. They raced zigzaggedly to New York to get passengers <laughs> off the Queen Mary into safe and That's so crazy for World War II to break out while you're like, while you're on I know, right? <laughs> in the middle of like the war ground. And they're just like, we got to get these people safe to the safe tranquility of 1930s New York, you know? <laughs> Everything's safe for you to get to 1930s New York and go down that alley. We gotta land it somewhere safe. Pearl Harbor. <laughs> the next morning, the passengers and crew, they they hadn't landed yet. The next morning, the passengers and crew listened as the ship broadcast the Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain's message that the nation is at war with Germany. That nation being jolly old England, not America. We needed to be pushed a little bit harder. <laughs> so war is declared and that makes Queen Mary a very real target for the Nazis. Adolf Hitler wants to kill the Queen Mary and not the lady. Almost well. 10... Both. Nah, he wouldn't mind both. One or the other, but hopefully both. The boat's a little Jewish. <laughs> Let's take Something the boat first. <laughs> you let the Scottish build that? You know how I feel about them. Ambivalent. Almost 10 hours later, after the address, the Athenia, another British liner, was downed by German oh subs. God. 112 passengers. And that was a, a White Star canard? I think it was a canard. I mean, no, it might have been, it, I think it was a White Star. Well, they're the same line now, so yeah, yeah, I guess so. But they were. it was another British liner. It was downed by German submarines. 112 passengers died. That was the first marine casualty of World War II. That happened the next day. Wow. Could have easily been the Queen Mary. So now the Queen Mary is suspended from passenger ships until the war is over. But would the Queen Mary sit and watch brave soldiers risk their lives to protect the world against fascism? <laughs> or would this noble Art Deco ship rise to the occasion and fight the dang murderous Nazis? The second one, she said, the second one. The Queen Mary enlisted for duty in March of 1940. Anti-aircraft guns were mounted to the decks. Six-inch guns were mounted to the stern. Move those sun chairs. <laughs> Chaplin put a helmet on. <laughs> and it was the most hilarious thing you've ever seen. It took 40 minutes to put the helmet on. Her speed was a valuable asset to the war right. effort. It was said that in the early days of the war, the Queen Mary was faster than German torpedoes. Yeah. She truly was ghost-like on the sea. You, you faster boat than a flying torpedo. Which was pretty slow. That has all that water in the Four way. Four miles per hour. Yeah. U-boat commanders would say that they would see the Queen Mary in their periscopes for a second before losing it. It would mm. go out of range, like the last Jedi. As much as their speed was needed, so was her size. The Queen Mary would be used as troop transport and would right. carry 5,000 soldiers. She donned a gray coat of paint to help camouflage her, and she took on code name 
the Grey Ghost, the scourge of the Nazi U-boats. Now it's getting a little scary. Yeah. So effective was the Queen Mary. Oh, I mean, uh, the Grey Ghost. <laughs> that little old Adolf Hitler put himself a bounty on That's the head of I Queen Mary. Right, to yeah. all the Nazis Speaking who... Speaking of the Mandalorian. To the Nazis who would sink her, they would give Germany's highest military honor. We won't kill you when the war's <laughs> over. We'll hang you first, so you have to watch the rest of us yeah. be hung. <laughs> Exempt from Nuremberg. <laughs> You'll find out what that means in four years. The Knights Cross to the Iron Cross with oak leaves and swords, which is only effective if fascism takes over the world. And $250. <laughs> only valid. Not valid. Not valid. In <laughs> case of allied victory. And you would also get $250 cash, but this was Hitler dollars. So again, if effective if fascism takes over the world. The ship was an almost perfect military vessel almost perfect because mm -hmm. get this the ship was designed to withstand the brutal cold of the atlantic but now the queen mm, mary is i think you're dipping into my territory here let me hear what you have to say it's built for the cold not for the hot and now they have to go to places like singapore and australia and the lower decks are getting extremely hot mm -hmm. and remember the ship was initially designed to carry a couple thousand passengers comfortably now it had five thousand uncomfortable soldiers i know what you're about to say hang on hang on listeners Anything that, to, anything that has to do with death. <laughs> if anyone dies, that's me. <laughs> if someone tummy's hurt, that's you. They die, it's me. Got it? Am I finished this or not? You can edit it out later. Let's just say that it got a little hot and I'll get to what happens. It got a little hot. A little hot, a little heavy. Do you know about the options people got when they came aboard as a crew member or no, a soldier? No, I don't know that. You came aboard as a soldier or a crew member or a serviceman and they're like, okay, let's paper your name, okay? Hey, so if you die, how do you want us to depose, oh, no. dispose of you? Do you want to be put in the freezer or do you want to put over board because we don't have a lot of room wow save that for later i did not know that i did not know that was he on the boat so after pearl harbor the queen mary was handed over to the Amer american military so the same brits soldiers and crewmen remained but the ship's missions were under american command now they also retrofitted the ship to accommodate eight thousand soldiers oh god way more like putting beds in lounges yeah. the drawing room drained swimming pools soldiers slept in shifts because it was so overcrowded a year later winston churchill said if you know if we can shorten the war by a day even one day the risk it's worth taking. So in terms of what that meant for the Queen Mary, it meant adding another 2,000 soldiers. Now 10,000 soldiers riding a ship that was meant for like 2,000. More cannons and guns were installed and it was becoming a full-on warship. There were so many close calls. One in Rio de Janeiro, I didn't read the full details, but I know that there, there was a real close call, but it never took an attack. The ship's main prerogative was to always be moving. It, even if it meant passing by down liners with soldiers on lifeboats, it mm -hmm. wouldn't stop. It would just call, it would we'll radio. We'll that later. It would radio for people to come. No close calls as far as battle goes, but the worst incident the ship was involved in happens in October of 1942 off the coast of Scotland. Greg, stop hang it. On. And uh, Daniel will address this segment later. I, I didn't hear that last part. Greg, you shut up. <laughs> shut up. I will cut your throat right here. Oh, hey. Hey, Greg, can I see you over here? <laughs> Okay, you can Bad sit back boy, <laughs> you can pull your pants back. <laughs> but get, let's get back to Winston Churchill. The Grey Ghost was his seat. The Grey Ghost was his seaboard headquarters. <laughs> Three times he rode the Grey Ghost to travel between Canada and the U.S., always traveling under the name Colonel Warden. Uh, always traveling under the name Oliver Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> Grumpy Oliver Hardy. W.C. Fields. It was on the Queen Mary. Uh, oh, I mean, uh, they never sink W.C. Fields. <laughs> you can't. It was here on the Queen Mary. Oh, I mean, the Grey Ghost. Oh, that Winston Churchill. I mean, oh, I mean. Colonel Warden. <laughs> I mean, it was on the Queen Mary that Winston Churchill first reviewed the plans for D Day yeah, and signed right. his name to it. Again, weird history thing. Yeah, it's this thing crazy. that's sitting in Long Beach helped end World War II. <laughs> it sent all these brave Americans over there to save <laughs> to everybody save else. Democracy. You know? <laughs> Anyways, we're here to save democracy. <laughs> <laughs> we're also we're here to introduce democracy and also <laughs> save democracy. Anyways, the Nazis lost and Hitler 
killed himself, <laughs> and World War II was over. The Queen Mary was now utilized in bringing soldiers home from overseas. For this, many parts of the ship were once again refers to be a floating hospital for wounded soldiers. The larger suites and drawing room were used as intensive care and surgical quarters, and also there was a lot of isolation wards that still are there, and they're the creepiest things. I have a little bit to say about the isolation wards. I could tell you right now, they're creepy. And then again, the That's Queen- what I had to say. Oh, you said it all. Uh, Greg, uh, a word? A word over here? Anything's creepy. Anything that's remotely Greg Playpen. That rocking chair you talked about, was it rocking on its own? Okay, shut up. Thanks. They bring all the soldiers back home. Some of them are wounded. Some of them just want to go home. And then after that, the next job of the Queen Mary, military-wise, they had to be refurbished again to accommodate all the wives and children of soldiers mm-hmm. who married women and fathered children in Europe while they should have been working. Uh, you're supposed to be crying in a foxhole alone. Mm-hmm. Who's she? So now instead of intensive care units or art deco orgy rooms, there was nurseries. Uh, no. I have a thing about the... <laughs> a word. <laughs> Who's in the orgy? Okay, can you stop talking about it? Thanks. Why didn't you invite me to the orgy? Did anyone die in an orgy? Was Fatty Arbuckle there? Great. A word? The word orgy. Her final military run was in September of 1946, ending in Nova Scotia and taking a long rest mm. after being Where demobilized. Mm-hmm. Where it all started. From once it... Well, actually, I was born in Scotland, but... Uh, <laughs> well, the idea... Is, mm, the, it, you were conceived here in... Uh, <laughs> Nova Scotia. In all, as a warship, the Queen Mary carried more than 800,000 soldiers and a servicemen of many different countries, America, Canada, Australia, Britain. It took on more than 600,000 miles and played a part in every major allied campaign in World War II in some way or another. And it managed to be that involved without being attacked by land, sea, or air, and also survived without passengers being seen. She also had never had to fire her guns during war. Hmm. Churchill called the Queen Mary instrumental in shortening the war. It'd be almost a year, 1947, before the Queen Mary was restored to its pre-war glory and ready for its first peacetime voyage since 1939. Take off the war paint. <laughs> no longer the great... I, oh, that's the former me. <laughs> I've left all that behind. I'm Queen Mary the White now, again. And, and she, emphasis on white. She has PTSD, and every time a German person gets on, she fires cannons for some reason. <laughs> the Queen Mary carried on for two decades as a luxury liner, but as most things that were great in the 30s and 40s, by the end of the 50s, they were ancient and shrugged off. Right. Passenger travel dwindled, and the cost of having a giant Art Deco cruise ship were too high for was, all the people who were... It was airplane right, time. Yeah, it was airplane time and a car time. The cost of having it was too high for all the people who weren't on it. She was too large to dock at most ports. The passengers would often have to be sent on to dock on smaller ships. People just found that annoying. Like, mm-hmm. I have to take a smaller ship to I'm going to see yeah. this one. <laughs> Shut up. You're riding on the boat where D-Day was planned. Mary Pickford. Mary Pickford, you chili dog eating weirdo. 1967, the Cunard Lines sold their heroic monumental ship and the, both the sisters, the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth. But who would buy them? They were all kinds of bids. What Some, stupid city would possibly yeah. purchase such a thing? What small city in Southern California that has always looked over would buy that. There were all kinds of bids for it. Some people wanted to turn into a youth hostel. There was a Southern gentleman who wanted youth to... youth hostel? Yeah, I don't get that. I've been to a hostel before. It's bad. <laughs> hey, you want a vibe? No. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me sleep. Let uh, me sleep in this room of 40 people <laughs> that are all orgying. I'm going to bed at 10.30 and everyone's leaving at 1 to party. That's cool. A Southern gentleman wanted to wow the two sister ships together and have a catamaran. Wait a minute. He wanted to make a catamaran out of two of the biggest boats ever made? Yeah, it's that's pretty That's really cute. funny. Yeah. And I want a jet ski on him. Hey, dude, Southern. Shazam, I'm going to jet ski. No, that's too low class. He's a Southern gentleman. Oh, wrong one. So the, uh, who would buy this? It doesn't matter. Because on a sealed bid auction, the city of Long Beach in Los Angeles, California, bought the Queen Mary vessel for $3.45 million and planned on turning it into what it is now, a hotel, a tourist mm-hmm. attraction, and a maritime museum. But before retiring, the 
Queen Mary want to go on one last cruise? <laughs> what was advertised as the last? Through U-boat infested <laughs> waters. One more time to Germany, guys. Let's hear him apologize again. This was advertised, this last cruise was advertised as the last great cruise of the RMS Queen Mary because getting the ship- I'm saluting. Single tier, the great ghost. There she goes. Before getting the ship from- <laughs> Because getting the ship from Southampton to Long Beach was not going to be easy because it was too big for the Panama Canal. They had to do this crazy journey. Yeah. This was going to be a journey and it was going to be a journey with passengers who were invited for the 39-day trip, this last I, cruise. Hey, sign me up. Sign me up, yeah. <laughs> so leaving Southampton on Halloween, the Queen- Is it free? Sign me up. Uh, is that dollar charge the New Yorkers got in the 1930s? That still holds 30 years later. Leaving Southampton on Halloween, the Queen Mary went through the Canary Islands, twice over the equatorial line, along the eastern coast of Brazil, through the hazardous waters of Cape Horn, and up the western coast of the America, stopping along port cities along the way. So basically on the first day, they left, and <laughs> let's walk through some of the highlights of this last cruise. First day, they hit winds through the Bay of Biscay that rocked them pretty hard, and the sea turbulence caused a lot of people to get seasick and puke. It rained hard for two days. Then in Lisbon, a 21-year-old rail worker from Chicago named Stacy Miller stowed away on the ship, my kind of guy. He was caught, and they offered him work as uh, to work off his fare for a dollar a day, which he accepted. <laughs> but we're going to deport you yeah, when you get when you, when you get to Los Angeles, we're going to deport you. That was day two. Stow away. And they haven't even left Europe I yet. know. <laughs> day, day two. So they go to Las Palmas was the next stop, and it was where passengers stocked up on clothes and alcohol in preparation for another long leg of trip, which was going to be like six days, 3,544-mile trek through the tropics, clothes. heading for the coast of South America and landing in Rio. After Rio was Valparaiso, and then Lima, Panama, Acapulco, by which point the passengers were done. They hated the trip. So they like up to this point, they were like so done being on a boat. Even though they had stops for days, they were like, eh, this Panama thing sucks. And then finally, after Acapulco landing in Long Beach on December 9th, 1967, 5,000 small boats welcomed the queen to her new home. Finally, 5,000 5, small boats of all kinds were in Long Beach waiting for the Queen Mary as a sacrifice. Parked in her spot. <laughs> Welcome to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a permit to park here after nine? Finally, after 12 pages, we are in Los Angeles. Uh -huh. Arriving in Los Angeles did not mean the troubles were over for the Queen Mary, as in most transplants who come here thinking everything's going to be smooth sailing. Yeah. She still struggled financially through the years, needing repairing and modernization while lacking attendance. If you remember from our theme parks episode, it was being eyed by Disney for their Port Disney idea, right. but that fell through. For a time, the Queen Mary was leased by a man named Jack mm -hmm. Warther. It was owned by Disney for a little bit. Yeah, though. it was owned by yeah. Disney, yeah. Jack Warther took over after that, I believe. And he he's the guy who owned Howard Hughes' Spruce Goose. Yeah. And he thought it'd be a cute idea if these two cartoonishly large transports <laughs> were next to each other. So for, that was a thing for a while. It was Spruce Goose and Queen Mary were right next to each other in Long Beach before it was taken to a museum. But what, I wish Long Beach just became like the fun house of, <laughs> of crazy old boats. Here's a really long pogo stick. <laughs> yeah. People are like, whoa, that's pretty big. His lease ended and the Queen Mary was returned to the city of Long Beach. It's been through a lot of closures and reopenings and different people owning it and operating it. The Queen Mary exists now as a beautiful and somewhat crooked hotel in Long Beach. You, know, you are welcome to stroll along the old corridors and decks. There's plenty of historic displays throughout the ship. It's a beautiful Art Deco piece. I, I truly love the Queen Mary. The cabins are neat. I love portholes, original Art Deco restaurants and halls, the mural. I love, I love murals. Something else is there though, isn't there, Daniel? Something you, you can't see. And some things you can see. I mean, we're certainly in Los Angeles now, but I haven't been scared yet. I mean, some of that German stuff was pretty scary. U-boats? <laughs> no, no, no. Not that kind of scary. Real scary stuff, like secondhand ghost stories. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> that uh, can't be substantiated? Well, let's get to the real reason we're all here. Let's sit back for a second, feel that fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's don't forget that that's the, still the going. going. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. the fire is always burning <laughs> when you're on the Queen Mary. Oh. Or should we say the Queen Scary? No the gray ghost you ever notice that the word cruise is almost the word curse 
No. Yeah, me neither. Let's get into the dark underbelly of this ship that we call Mary. <laughs> Mary, Mary, your queen now. Mary, why? are you so scary? <laughs> Time Magazine calls it one of the 10 most haunted places on Earth. Really? And it's been on the National Ghost Registry since 1985. And you say this is unsubstantiated. <laughs> I believe those the are ghost, your words. Also, the registry itself is a ghost because I couldn't find it anywhere. There's no sources, so I guess <laughs> it's something of a literary ghost. But that's all fitting for the ship whose final voyage began on Halloween 1967, and the story started right when it docked for good in Long Beach. That's when the ghost story started. Okay. Many guests and even some of the workers on the boat have had experiences, of course. Construction workers have insisted on working only in pairs. Whoa, they, really? They refused. Buddy system? Uh, it's some sort of insurance scam, I bet. But <laughs> actors working the haunted mazes during Halloween have quit saying that there are actual haunted things oh going God. on in the maze. Imagine that, that would be, a, I, I would pay for that experience of like a worker who said he'd never go back be yeah. like, okay, I was working in this, in the locker room. Sure, I jumped out dressed like the nun from <laughs> the nun movies, but there was a real nun in there. <laughs> they say 50 of the rooms on the ship are haunted with around 150 ghosts that are so far accounted Ghost for. Ghost hotel. Before we go into the more legendary, unsubstantiated stories, let's first cover the true stories of what has happened on the ship that okay. I wouldn't let you talk. A word, Greg? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my turn to talk about it. Okay. Okay, so don't be an idiot. You read with the Kirk Oh, no. Uh, y- you pronounced it wrong. So the true stories would have happened on the ship that are probably even scarier if you're as afraid of the ocean as I am. Before this boat even set sail, death was hovering all around it. When the Depression hit in 1930, like you said, construction stopped yeah. for about four years. All of the workers were sent home until it started for, again, four years later. However, they apparently were not counting heads as people left the boat because in April 1934, when construction crews got back on the ship, they found two of the old workers dead below death. Deck, oh my god right next to each other they had been lying there dead for four years necking because no women were alive yeah <laughs> been dead for four years they, and yeah. no one looked for them the families assumed they both just killed themselves <laughs> <laughs> it was the depression and they were construction workers in glasgow or whatever that's true yeah so when they found out they assumed like they lost their jobs they probably killed themselves yeah. but we don't really know because a welding torch was found near them so it might have been a gas buildup that got to them we don't know what yeah. happened to these two people supposedly also during the construction a welder accidentally got welded inside the double hole of the ship. Edgar Poe style? Yeah. I want to show you this wine. Yeah. (laughs) I want to show you this wine. (laughs) Come down here to the cellar with me. And he was like Han Solo face on (laughs) So he just died in there slowly. A a man died. Yeah. They had a funeral for him at the spot on the ship he was sealed up in, but they left his body in there because it saved a lot of money for both the family and the boat. So if the story is true, there's a skeleton in the hole of that ship. That's three deaths already wow. and the boat hasn't even set sail oh yet. God. It made a thousand and one transatlantic crossings. Yeah. There have been 49 recorded deaths that have taken place on board like this ship. natural ones? Uh, not all natural. That count is broken down as 31 passengers, 16 crew members, two soldiers from its military days. On October 28th, 1936, the very first captain, Sir Edgar Britton, died of a stroke oh, in know. his cabin yeah. on board of the ship. Absolutely. Most of the, whatever they do in Britain. Uh, <laughs> Hi-ho. Yeah. Click your heels. <laughs> Most of these deaths were from things like heart attacks, things like that. Yeah. They're listed on a plaque in the ship that yeah. don't make these natural deaths. They describe what happened. They're natural deaths. They don't sound very natural. Yeah. There are people like J.R. Maloney, P.A.W. Hughes, W. Humphreys who were found dead in bunk. 
Ooh. That was their natural cause of death. Is that like death. the heat stroke thing? Some of them, yeah. Okay. Some of the some of it was heat stroke. Well, Greg, talk uh, about that. Okay. Heat stroke is pretty creepy, Greg. <laughs> Anything that has to do with you know bodies. That's <laughs> and then there were people like H. Healy and A. Bao who died of coronary thrombosis, or G. Martin who died of carinoma of stomach embolism, or F. Royal who died of pneumonia. But then there's some deaths that leave more story to be desired, like the chef L. Horsberg who died of a cerebral hemorrhage, and K. Thompson who died under anesthesia. Whoa. Then there's people like A.J. Lee and A.E. Boyland who fell overboard and C. McCarthy who fell off gangway and A.J.G. Golding who died of a skull fracture. Oh boy. Natural death. Natural. <laughs> his skull broke. I don't know Very what Very natural that his body <laughs> just stopped moving. I mean when you get pushed down the stairs that hard it's natural. When You'll you hit him in the head break. after you're both drunk and he cheats at Jim Rummy. Pretty natural what happens after that. The way of the sea as they call it. One story we do have is of senior second officer William Eric Stark who on September 18th 1949, he was assigned the task of entertaining two new crew members. He told a steward to get him a bottle of gin to do so, and the steward went into the cabin of another officer to swipe some of his gin, grabbed a bottle, brought it to Stark. Stark poured a few glasses for himself and his guests, squeezed some lime into it, put it in a coconut, shake it all up, took a gulp, realized this doesn't taste right. What had happened was the officer whose bottle it was had finished the gin a while ago and used that bottle to store tetrachloride oh. to use as cleaning fluid. Oh. So Stark immediately... St- I don't know. People, sailors, these crazy old sailors. Crazy old sailor, no. Stark immediately realized what he had done. He joked it off. Ah, okay, whatever. Uh, let's get some more, whatever. He continued yeah. to entertain his guests. The next day... He was in the infirmary. He gagged and choked there for four days until he fell into a coma and died. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's the infirmary for you. People, yeah. people say they can still hear choking noises coming from that part of the ship. Another documented story happened July 10th, 1966, during a routine fire drill to a sailor named John Petter, or as some now call him, Half Hatch Harry. Doesn't make sense because his name's not Harry, but <laughs> half certainly makes sense. So the watertight doors, you've seen Titanic in case of a crash, seal up, water can't get through. But they had to be tested often. But during these drills, the door, it took about 60 seconds for the door to fully shut. So the kids, the younger kids working on the ship, they made a game. How many times can you run back and forth through the door before it's sealed shut? And Petter got a little (gasps) greedy in trying to make it through. And just as he was closing, as it was closing, got stuck. He was crushed to death underneath this door below deck. This is a true story that happened. That really familiar. I think they tell the story on the ship. They do. They're yeah. kind of proud of this story. Wow. People nearby the store now often say they can feel something tugging at their stuff and have also seen greasy handprints along the floor of Petter <laughs> desperately trying to crawl through in time. Sometimes there have even been sightings of a full-bodied man in blue overalls and a beard walking towards this door and then disappearing. There was also a guy, also below deck, John Henry, who was found dead just outside the boiler room. Some people think this might have been one of the guys that was found after the depression so yeah. it might be the same story. There's also a theory he was an engineer, though, who was burned to death by a burst steam pipe okay. down there. Regardless, he's still seen wandering around the downstairs area, and he apparently has an affinity for harassing women, so he must have been working on the ship. <laughs> he likes to brush women's cheeks and pinch their butts. What? Yeah, I mean... I said butts, let me take my ring off and repent. <laughs> he used to be seen in the green room for performers of the old boiler room stage. The way he was seen, there was a square hole in the ceiling and people would see glowing eyes coming Ooh. out of it. Sometimes they would see his entire face and he'd just be like watching women. <laughs> 
What is it, Chuck Berry? I, I swear he's a ghost, yeah. <laughs> what a weird Scooby-Doo scheme that is. I, uh, I'm a ghost who likes women a lot. There were a lot of dark moments on board the ship during World War II. Yeah. This is why I would not let you talk about. I was dying. I'm dying to talk about it. Whoa! Whoa! There were, of course, I was haunted to talk about it. Soldiers who jumped ship just as they were pulling out of New York to go fight in Europe, who yeah. I guess had second thoughts. Here's a second thought. I don't want to be alive anymore. <laughs> I'd rather die here than there. There was the time they passed through the Red Sea and yeah. other parts closer to the equator. Like you said, it was insulated for the cold North Atlantic. Now they were in 120 degree yeah. weather and the several of the soldiers crowded below deck died of heat exhaustion, yeah. frozen or overboard, <laughs> sir. Then there were the German and Italian prisoners of war that oh, the boat yeah, was carrying. Yeah. Several of them died on the boat back to America. But these tragedies weren't exclusive just to people on the ship. The ship itself has seen very bad moments. The Queen Mary was, like you said, it had a bounty by yeah. Hitler. IG-88 was looking for it. <laughs> so Nazis were hunting it. Like yeah. everyone wanted to get this boat. In December 1942, the ship was carrying 16,800 military personnel, which was and still is the most amount of people ever transported by a man-made vessel, ever. And what a momentous occasion for the boat to be 700 miles off the coast of Scotland, only to encounter not a Nazi U-boat, but an unexpected 91-foot-tall Nazi wave of water that hit them oh, so hard. my God. God. If they had rocked another five inches, they would have capsized. The biggest ship with the most amount of passion, it would have flipped oh over. My God. All of those lives were saved, but an even greater tragedy hit when they decided to make a movie based on this years later. The Poseidon Adventure oh. is based on what almost happened almost to happened. the Queen Mary. But one crisis that cannot be averted happened October 2nd, Melissa's birthday, 1942, uh -huh. the year she was born. The Grey Ghost. It's about to make some ghosts. <laughs> she was carrying 15,000 troops from New York to Glasgow. And like you said, since the Queen Mary was such a wanted ship, she was escorted by a much smaller ship called the HMS Curacao that met them about 200 miles off the coast to escort them to Greenock, Scotland, safely. To confuse any U-boats that might be tracking them, the two ships were zigzagging, like you said, back yeah. and forth, back and forth, the Curacao in front, Queen Mary behind to throw off their trail. This was going well until they were about 20 miles off the coast and their zigzagging got out of sync with each other. The Queen Mary started catching up too fast to the Curacao because it, really it was the fastest boat ever yeah. made. By the time people realized what was happening, it was too late to change course. And at 2.15 p.m., the Queen Mary sliced through oh. the HMS Curacao like a piece of butter, it was described, just right through it. Yeah. It cut the Curacao directly in half. The boiler exploded. Oh. Their crew was thrown into the water if they were lucky. So yeah. most, a lot of them just died. Yeah. The rest went into the water. The problem was, Captain of the Queen Mary at the time, Cyril Illingworth, was ordered not to stop for any reason until the soldiers he was transporting so were safe in Scotland. It? There were too many enemies. If they had stopped, they probably would have been attacked by a U-boat. Yeah. It would jeopardize everybody else's life on board. So he had to decide the Queen Mary is not going to help. They kept sailing with oh. the Curacao and its crew. It sank to the bottom of the ocean. It took four minutes for that boat to sink. And the Queen Mary itself, they tore a hole in its hull. Really? They were taking on water as well. So as soon as they got in range of calling for help, they did. But of the 439 crew members of the Curacao, 338 of them drowned. It's horrible. One guy, he got covered in oil when the boiler blew up, so he was completely black. Yeah. He was floating in the water for 18 hours. Alive? Alive. And the only reason he was alive is because he was covered in oil, and that's why he didn't get hypothermia. Wow. What a lucky guy. What a lucky guy to get covered in boiling hot yep. oil. The accident was kept a secret during the war mm -hmm. to keep morale up and to preserve the mystique. To keep morale up? <laughs> the mystique of the gray ghost. Like, yeah. they didn't want 
any blemish on the record, but it did go to trial because both sides blame Curacao yeah, blames yeah. Queen Mary, Queen Mary, Gregos, yeah. Gregos blames Curacao. The ruling was that the Curacao had been going three knots slower than it was supposed to and was thus responsible, right. but this ruling was challenged and brought back to court where it was eventually decided in the most King Solomon way. The Curacao was two-thirds responsible, Queen Mary was one-third responsible, and everyone went home a little less guilty. Nah. But that blood was still on the Queen yeah. Mary's propellers. And the residue of Put that, the, 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 the residue of that can still be felt when people sometimes hear pounding on the hole of sailors begging oh to be let on and the sound of rushing water from the spot where the collision happened. The most yeah. recent confirmed death associated with the boat happened in December 2011. A 26-year-old woman, she apparently got into a drunken argument with her boyfriend in one of the bars on board. She was heard saying, I don't want to live. I don't want to be with you anymore. She ran on deck and tried to climb over the railing. She fell 75 feet into oh, the freezing ocean and God. died. That's the most recent death. So if you're counting for those 49 officially recorded deaths, plus this one from 2011, and the Curacao disaster, you're looking at 388 people's blood on the hands of this boat. That's great. Didn't someone drown in the pool too? Uh, We'll get to that. Okay. But that's just the straight history. The legends are pretty scary okay. all, as well. Some of them, uh, not so scary. One legend actually involves the same door below deck, that crust petter, which coincidentally or not is door number 13. Second story of this door comes from 1942 about an 18-year-old sailor named John McKenzie. This is the door that cut the person in half? Well, the, it just crushed him. Oh, right, but they, the legend is that he got cut in half. Uh, well, here's the guy who got cut, cut in half. half. Spoiler okay. alert. Apparently, Mackenzie was not well-liked by his comrades in arms, so they decided to take his arms, stre <laughs> stretched him and his feet, stretched him across door 13, pressed the button, and slowly let it crush him in half. That did not happen. These are the legends. Wow. It's just a tale not confirmed, but people do hear screams around this door as well, which are also not confirmed, but could also just be from the guy who actually did get crushed to yeah, death yeah, by this sure. door. Which ghost is this? <laughs> what happened to you? Were you liked by your friends? There's also the woman in white who is frequently seen dancing alone in the shadows in the corner of the Queen's Salon. There's also a woman in red who was seen for a full 10 minutes before she disappeared. There's a guy who's seen dressed perfectly for a ball from the 30s who sits and watches people in the veranda grill banquet room. There's a guy that's been seen in the lobby wearing a yellow zoot suit and yellow fedora and yellow teeth. And he keeps calling for Caldonia. <laughs> There's a man in a top hat and tails that likes to go up behind people at the bar and clear his throat and then disappear. Wow. Uh, if I was a ghost, I'd be that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, madam. <laughs> pinch. <laughs> There's a little five-year-old boy named Daniel, dressed in blue, who just got married, who's seen wandering <laughs> around. There's another little boy named Jeremy. People claim to smell the cigar smoke of the last captain of the ship, whose name was Treasure Jones, coming from his old captain's quarters. Cigar smoke also comes from the old Churchill suite, complete with people here pacing and mumbling, coming wow. from in there. My favorite legend, though, is about a chef. The legend goes that this chef was horrible to his staff, and even worse, he made terrible food. So one day, his staff couldn't take it anymore and revolted against him and took it so far that they pushed him into the kitchen's walk-in oven and roasted him alive oh my God. to death. <laughs> People can still hear him screaming as he's burned alive, and that walk-in oven is still being used wow, today. Yeah, that's, that's a good legend. People have heard music and parties coming from rooms that turned out to be empty. The door to the engine room has felt hot, even though the engine hasn't been used since the 60s. People hear a baby crying in the old third-class yeah, children's that. playroom where supposedly a baby once died shortly mm -hmm. after being born. Voices have been heard in the old isolation ward. Ghost crew members have been seen on the bridge. There's temperature changes, knocking, slamming, screaming, crying, lights flickering, just like home
home for me. <laughs> One of the biggest hot spots on board is the first class pool. This is what you're thinking about. Okay. People have seen a lot of ghostly folk wandering around down here in 30s clothing and swimsuits. Some here splashing. Some have seen wet footprints, which Melissa said they did with special effects on the ghost tour, but they don't do that anymore. So I think she uh, is Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> There's an entire cast of specific ghosts that are known for hanging around this pool. The first is named Jackie, who might have been Jacqueline Torin, who in real life supposedly drowned in that pool when she was five or six years old. But she's a nice ghost. She's a nice ghost. <laughs> Let her in. She is sometimes seen playing peekaboo from the upstairs balcony in the pool room. Uh, not cute. And she'll answer questions if you ask her. Oh, okay. She's also heard giggling and people have felt a small hand pulling them away if they got too close to the edge of the pool. So okay. she's trying to yeah. don't end up like me. <laughs> However, she has a friend who is not so nice. It's a girl named Sarah who died separately in this room in 1949 and she is mean. She's older so she's taking it upon herself apparently to protect Jackie from people who are trying to bug her too much. Yeah. Jackie and Sarah are often heard singing together along with another friend of theirs named Jeremy who might have been yeah, that little boy. Sometimes the lady in white though from upstairs is seen coming down to the pool to sing to Jackie as well. We don't know exactly what happened to Sarah but there's a girl who's rumored to have been murdered and maybe a little bit more in the room under the stairs by the pool Okay, and it's sometimes still heard crying in there. People believe yeah. this to be Sarah. This links up with another ghost who supposedly has this strong evil presence over that same room. He goes by the name Grumpy. <laughs> he's heard growling at people and he's believed to have killed a girl on board on accident and hit her in that room and when that body was found he then killed himself on board as well. This is believed to be the murder of Sarah and some believe he may have been responsible for Jackie's death Jesus. as well. Uh, he's a confirmed seven dwarf right? Oh yeah. Uh, Might have been sleepy though. I think he, <laughs> he tried to blame it on Dopey. There are stories <laughs> of... yes to Andy. He'll confess to anything. <laughs> there are stories of other little kids haunting this pool who died of all sorts of kid-like deaths. A little boy <laughs> fell overboard nearby the pool into the ocean. Another little girl named Mary drowned in 1952. One girl was sliding down the banister of the staircase when a wave hit the boat, Ooh. made her fall off, broke her neck on the ground. Right. There's also a shy little girl down there named Carrie who nobody knows anything about because she's shy. There's an adult couple who haunts the pool named David and Sarah. There's a lot of name crossover yeah. who wander around trying to find their lost kids who may or may not have been some of these other dead ones yeah. we've got here. What, is this your dead kid? <laughs> They've also... No, I don't want that dead orphan ghost. I want the other one. I want, one. I want my, yeah, I want I want my dead sweet orphan one. ghost. I want that shy one. <laughs> These two, David and Sarah, are also seen in Sir Winston's restaurant and will answer questions if you address them by name. Okay. There's also another couple of men who wander around the pool named Jack and Terrence who pull on people's clothes and are usually accompanied by an intense heat, which makes people think they might have been some of the soldiers who died right. of heat stroke. The other big hot spots on the boat are a couple of staterooms. Okay. So the first one is room B474. A family of a mom, a dad, and their three daughters were staying here in 1959 in that room when for whatever reason the dad decided this vacation's over inside the room he took a piece of rope and strangled his wife oh and two of his God. daughters to death he then dragged his remaining daughter dana into the bathroom and shot her and then himself dana's now seen around the archives in the cargo and former second class pool area calling out for her mom but the star haunted room on board is room b340 it's considered the most haunted room on the ship there's several stories attached to this particular room because in the days before it was just a floating hotel this was actually three different rooms so one story is that of a man named walter j adamson who died of unknown causes suddenly one day in that room another is that of a pregnant war bride from europe who was being brought to america in that room but died in child 
childbirth inside here. Another says that the man who handled all the money on the boat was murdered here and that another man killed his five-year-old daughter in that room. One story from the 60s says that a man named Samuel the Savage killed two women in that room and then was locked in one of the nearby rooms with a guard at the door until they got to shore. But one night, Samuel started pounding on the door, begging to be let out because he said, someone's in here trying to kill me. The oh guard did nothing. The next day, the ship arrived in New York. Cops came on board to arrest him, opened the room. When they went inside, they found Samuel ripped to pieces with his intestines thrown everywhere. Nobody knows what happened. Oh, uh, he was also dead. Uh, he didn't survive that one. Close call. <laughs> you almost got him. Visitors have had weird experiences in that room going back as early as its final voyage in 1967 yeah. and were even recorded in the ship's log. Like weird things are going on yeah. in this room. There's been knocking on doors in the middle of the night, phone calls with nobody on the other end. People have heard a voice yelling, get out. Lights go on and off, doors slam. Some have heard had their covers ripped off in the middle of the night oh, yeah. and see a dark figure standing at the foot of their bed. There were so many incidents in that room that it was eventually closed for 30 years years to the public. The people who believe these stories claim that Kennard hushed yeah. all this stuff up for obvious reasons, yeah. but those who don't believe claim that none of this ever happened, but that the stories were started by Disney employees oh. when the ship was owned by them. They say that the real reason the room was closed for 30 years was because it was never a sleeping room before the 90s or so, and they just didn't have enough people staying on the boat hotel like they thought. So for fun and to try to drum up more visitors, they took this random empty room and were like, this happened in here. Right. This happened in this room. Yeah. It's now definitely open to stay for the night and if you're able to convince yourself that those are all just lies told by the Disney Corporation <laughs> they give you a Ouija board tarot cards oh and a crystal God. ball it's during your stay yeah, yeah. <laughs> nowadays the Queen Mary embraces all these stories 100% yes, they, they have their ghosts and legends tour dining with the spirits experience and for the past 10 years the dark harbor mazes during Halloween which they usually try to keep at least loosely based on some of these real legends yeah. on board but as with many places that pride themselves on being haunted how much of all this is real ghost stuff and yeah. how much was just made up by Disney Disney. Right. There's evidence that once Disney saw that people weren't coming to stay on a docked boat hotel like they had hoped, they did try spinning it. People think they kind of wanted to turn the whole thing into basically a floating haunted mansion that you could sleep in. Yeah. Like that Which was going to be... Yeah. You could have called it that. I, I would have gone. Yeah. They might have even had plans for like full animatronics to be like, this is yeah. a whole experience. But at the same time, some really bad stuff did happen yeah, yeah, on yeah, this boat. Sure. So it's hard, it's hard to see the line where horror ends and grim grinning ghosts begins. <laughs> but what impressed me most about the haunting of the Queen Mary is how intercontinental connected all the ghosts on board seem to be like yeah. the two girls are friends by the pool lady upstairs sings to them calm them down the engineer might have been the worker who killed himself right. these relationships they're like growing and evolving and there's almost like a fan fiction community <laughs> out there looking for connections between well, this ghost might know yeah. this ghost this ghost did this that are all living on the in the queen yeah, mary expanded universe of ghouls and in the end isn't that the most Disney thing <laughs> of all? A large complex full of ghouls who are doing their own business yeah. and you're just like you're living on a in little it. buggy yeah. going through it. <laughs> I mean, Ada stayed for a night. We stayed at the end of a long corridor, I think on the D deck. And, you know, it was one Third of those class. rooms. At, it was one of those rooms at the end of the hallway. Like there's a picture, like a Polaroid of like a streak, like a yeah. white streak and like it's a ghost. But we were, I think I said before in this podcast that we were, we stayed in, next door was a really haunted room. So like the tour, so we weren't <laughs> haunted by ghosts. We were haunted by ghost tours. But she was reading the plaque and it was saying like you know someone woke up in the middle of the night and they heard shuffling of papers in the bathroom she woke up in the middle of the night and she heard a paper and she ada did ada did ada heard a paper very interesting and she woke up in the morning and there was a envelope under the door and it was our bill <laughs> <laughs> the but scariest it, story I've ever heard. We were there. I mean, like we went there at night, but it was like even 11, 11.30. It was still like full of people everywhere. They didn't right. let us on the deck. I'm sure at the deck at night, 
terrifying because it's the ocean that's like black yeah like, even if you're at long beach there's like strings of lights but like the ocean water yeah. is black you know cabins are kind of small there's long curvy weird corridors there's just like people everywhere like it, it has the opportunity to be very spooky yeah. if it was in well, a different mood you know i'm sure most of these stories are not true but yeah. a lot of these stories are true i'm sure you can freak yourself out there real exactly. like if you're going below deck in the boiler room yeah. like you're gonna freak yourself out yeah we were there this is a hundred year old boat almost yeah we were there in the morning going through the infirmary and the uh, isolation wards and it was like it was eerie but not like ghosts like it was just like a, like people died and suffered in these yeah. rooms and i'm i'm it, laying down like it's a bed haunted or not it's a interesting place yeah, that i sure. would like to go to yeah i've heard other people talk about like experience like vanessa gritton when we went on to take right. a walk was talking about queen mary a yeah and and she the lady that. from strange los angeles was, she was telling us that you know she like slipped a waiter like ten dollars and he's like here's the key to the boiler <laughs> room and, and she, yeah. you, she was just able to kind of wander around and yeah. see those things i mean just for the history alone it's yeah. a pretty that's pretty crazy that it's yeah. parked in long beach for all of us it's to visit very odd yeah can you go on it without staying i don't know i think you can because they have restaurants and stuff you can mm. make reservations for it. i think they make you pay to get on you definitely mm. pay to park well that's the only way i'm getting on board and hey how about you get on board with us leaving us a review right. on apple Podcasts. it's not on itunes anymore yeah, apple, apple podcast leave it apple, apple podcast leave us five stars some words it helps get uh, more people to notice us it makes us more legitimate and visible mm-hmm. we're really appreciative we plugged our instagram and Twitter and all that before. You can follow us on uh, YouTube. We post some videos and the episodes if that's easier for you. If you want to subscribe to us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, we will send you handwritten postcards, postcards. most of them, of the Queen Mary. We hope so. Do that. Yeah. As we close up this most haunted, which was heavy on the history, a little yeah. less on the haunted this time. Any closing thoughts There's on... There's a beautiful old historic ship sitting in Long Beach that I'm pretty sure you can go on. Yeah. You should probably do <laughs> that. You might need a reservation, yeah. but you can get on it. Yeah, you can get on it. Real or not, recognized as one of the most haunted places in the world which like you know you could say that about any place they're all probably just as haunted yeah, as this is exactly. the haunting is just as legitimate as, as in this <laughs> as place i should say are, yeah. yeah scary crazy place yeah uh spend your christmas yeah. there and it's over here it's in long beach don't miss the opportunity to see it yeah before the germans come back for one Knock more it out yeah and sink it in long <laughs> yeah. beach there's Not one ss boat. officer never got the message yeah. was over. Yeah. <laughs> i found her <laughs> she's at the home of snoop dog <laughs> we hope you have a good Hanukkah, yeah. creepy Christmas, Christmas, haunted Hanukkah to everybody. Mm-hmm. Be spooky. Okay, have a good New Year's. That's it for LA Meekly. That's been yet another episode of LA Meekly, recording this podcast yeah, since 2013 yeah. Since, since 2013. 2013. <laughs> bon voyage <laughs> Which was the name of the ship. That was for sure a proposed name. <laughs> Someone say proposed, I'm married. <laughs>